battle continues. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 13th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. (laughs) Ump the 13th. It's been 13 weeks, or or probably even more, because we always miss stuff or or are late on things, but... Almost like three months, man, of doing this. I'm just going to remain silent throughout the whole thing. I'm just going to talk talk to myself the whole time. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired. It's that time of year where, you know, we've got a hundred things going on and it's tough to kind of actually get back into a regular routine with the podcast. So we apologize if we were a little late. A shout out to Brendan for keeping (laughs) us honest. Yes. Uh, Brendan will always uh, uh, shout us out on on Twitter and go, where the hell is the new episode? Um, The hype. The hype is real. The hype I, is here. I feel like it wouldn't be an episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast if we were on time. Right, so. right. Although so, we were on time for, last time, yeah. but then we fell behind because we were on time. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, it felt like it was an eternity since the last time we recorded. Right, which is only um, a week and a half. I've seen you quite a bit here and there for different things. Yeah, and but, we always talk to each other via text or call, right. so it's not like... You know, we we completely miscommunicated. But I just with feel like we haven't radio done silence. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like we haven't done this. But like, yeah, the, it, it is that time of year. It's it's nearing the end of the year. Your voting's coming up for the Critics' Choice Awards. It sure is, Matt. Um, I am going to be voting all the way for you know some of the best movies of the year, like The Meg. Right, I watched the Meg. That's on my. I know. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, if you guys haven't seen Eric's Instagram, he posts all the the screeners that they send him in the free shit, like the A twenty four bottle of uh, whiskey with some Pepto Bismol. It's ridiculous like, what they send you. I mean, it's it's. I fun mean, the as last a movie episode fan. we focused on, they sent you literally to New York. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, the shit um, that you get at home is sometimes silly, sometimes great. Right. And yeah. it's kind of like, well, what am I going to do with this afterwards? But um, the one thing I actually really loved um, was this uh, binded uh, script for The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is basically resembling the the book that the story the, movie, book, the right? storybook that it, it comes out of. So it, I thought that was kind of a clever way of sort of marketing it. Yeah, I think out of the things you've been sent, I mean, the screeners are screeners. I still don't know why they're sending you them on DVD. And, yeah. and not, Although it's the like, closest thing I'll ever get to owning some Netflix movies. Yeah, right? sure. In, in 480p. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> in uh, fucking DVDs or that are co- Sorry to be an elitist asshole. I just like no. I DVD. agree. I think DVD is is a dead format, and I don't want to sound arrogant or again like I know. You, know, I'm on a you, horse, you went on a Twitter kind of thing. On yeah, that, I just like I, I feel like I, I feel like that because also I don't want people to be ripped off. Like people should be getting the best quality version of a movie or a show, yeah. and it should be available to them. And, and it's not that to... Blu-ray is that much more expensive anymore, right? No, like no. I'll even give you. I'll give you if you don't want to do the 4k thing yet or at all um i I was having this conversation with my friend kevin who i went out for um dinner and drinks with yesterday talking about technology as a whole and he's not home alone uh no um i had a great vegan burger at real sports though while we watched the hockey game it was amazing um shout out to beyond meat fantastic was Um, it beyond delicious it was um comparatively to some of the vegan shit i've had over the last that's a new thing that i've I've been doing over the last couple weeks since maybe even the last time we recorded no i started doing it literally you have been vegan shits no yeah (laughs) jesus stop um where was i talking about oh tech and like we were talking about how like tech has gotten to a point that 
I don't know how much better it can get that would make me want to upgrade either my phone or my TV or my, like, I guess maybe for me it would be like if I owned a house, I would want like a good 4K projector or something like that if I had a home theater or something like that. But like, we're getting to a point now where like the bump from 1080p HD Blu-ray to 4K is nice, but is it essential or is it as crazy as jumping from standard def to high def or from uh, a regular phone to a smartphone or even the few, Apple, the first iPhone to the iPhone 10? Like right. how much better can – I don't need my phone to get any bigger than the iPhone 10. The screen's an OLED screen. It fits in my hand perfectly. Like I just feel like – I guess VR is maybe the one thing that they haven't really nailed yet that will be the next step. Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing that with, you know, filmmakers kind of experimenting with it. Alejandro González Iñárritu and Terrence Malick. And mm-hmm. and that's probably the, 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 the final step or, or the next step into a more immersive experience. Um, but I always feel that, you know, when there's breakthroughs and innovations in technology, part of what comes with that is the exploitation of, you know re-upgrading everything or renewing collections or or you know seeing something in a new way that you haven't before and that is a way to sort of create a consumer sensation out of it yeah and when it comes to your voting and and film critics i'm just always i I won't name names or anything like that but i i was we were going to watch a screener today of a of a movie that's coming out soon and we'll um, record a review for we will yeah yeah and I, um, which will be up next week, but I don't know if we should say, yeah, I mean, we're going to a pub. I don't want it to say because of what I'm saying right now. <laughs> right. But, right. Right. Because um, of the, yeah. You'll gotcha. understand later if you're a, 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 of a listener of this podcast and a review podcast, if you can piece things together. But anyways, the screening quality was just so bad, even though I right. clicked the high quality version and I had it on my laptop and I, I, but once I put it onto a bigger TV or, uh, uh, any it, the quality well, some just of those wasn't media there. players like, are just, great like the buffering on well this them was is a awful. flash player and i'm like man these these studios need to partner and we're going to talk about partnerships later in the show but like i don't understand how they don't partner with an apple or a or even a netflix and just use not even that they're partnering them just the streaming quality or their service like maybe netflix starts a I mean, studios don't want to play nice with them for the most part, but I don't know how you get everyone on board. Maybe it's Apple to be like, listen, we'll let you use our streaming technology for your screeners or for something and encrypt it or something like that. Because um, I just find a lot of these, yeah, like online screeners you're given or even it's either you got to choose from a DVD screener, which actually looks better once you up up res it to 4K on a 4K (laughs) Blu-ray player, more so than some of these things you get online and... It's just baffling to me that like, or why you're still getting sent screeners. And I know we've talked about this before of like the age groups of a lot of these voting groups. Um, Yeah, because some people don't look at the quality of of just the the aesthetics. Yeah, they just kind of look at oh, well, the film, you know, what good film is good film. Yeah, yeah, what's it representing? They're not looking at the actual technology of it. But to me, it's it's all of those things. Oh yeah, And and I think you need to see a movie the best way possible, so you're judging the film and not bringing in uh, a criticism that isn't the movie's fault like because DVD if you see is a 20 year old plus technology exactly like it's just... dated it's it's done like it feels like it, it it truly is obsolete 
and you know, D- uh, Blu-ray at this point is DVD, and and yeah. like 4K is now. But I of... I totally understand though, because again, the jump from DVD to Blu-ray I think is significant. The right. jump from Blu-ray to 4K, and I love 4K. You know that. Like yes. I, uh, you're 4K all the way. But I could understand why someone would be like, I don't see much of a difference between Blu-ray and 4K. Like I don't feel like it's necessary to upgrade right Right. like as tvs get bigger and thinner and things like that like the bigger your tv gets the more important 4k is um but when you're running like a i have a 55 inch like lg oled 4k tv and it's beautiful and has dolby vision and dolby atmos and things like that so my 4k movies look amazing but i could see why a common consumer would just be okay with blu-ray but i don't understand people who are just okay with dvd right which fine to each their own that's that's fine but like the jump there i think is significant enough between because you're watching a standard definition format it's 480p at its highest usually and um I just I I don't know unless you're watching it on an old CRT like or, or yeah and old. some people would argue that it doesn't really make a difference for documentaries or something sure. like that but I still think that I would rather watch a documentary in high quality high resolution than watching a DVD and 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 I feel like again like out of any genre of film documentary is the one that kind of gets the short end of the stick when it comes to. Uh, Blu-ray releases because it's very rare for documentaries People to, to get... want to purchase them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless it's a boutique label like Criterion maybe releasing something that is um, essential or, or has some significance to the culture or something right. like that instead of just like, you know, even, you know, something like uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which did get a Blu-ray release, but the studios were sending everybody DVDs. Like actual DVDs, like not just like the screeners, but like the, the pa- actual... like the the consumer package yeah. DVDs, not the Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah they didn't like, want to spend that extra couple. What's up with that? I yeah, it's and I thought like you'd think that you could even channel the piracy thing better by having newer formats because they're harder to maybe rip. But yeah, maybe well, it's like three D, right? Like yeah, right. But um. Because it feels like it's easy to rip a DVD and put it online, and you see all these Oscar screeners and and, and critic yeah. screeners. Well, especially when you see, like, you know, like at the bottom, because every once in a while it says this is the property, property of, of you yeah. know, and if you use it or if you use it in any. And other sometimes way. the person's name would come up, right? Yeah, because so there's a watermark find, yeah. on it sometimes, especially if it's a, a movie that is only about to come out because there were some screeners that you get that have been already released throughout the year it's almost more so a reminder that hey this came out this year if you liked it you can rewatch it but please consider but don't it you for think this year. they could save a ton of money by giving everyone like digital screeners well to these a things lot too? of the a lot of the studios are and... starting to go um green as they're saying so, and i think it's just saving money well, it's really. saving them money yeah, tons it's the of green money. yeah um, well, also better for the environment, environment but, but I, yeah yeah and so you're it's an excuse <laughs> yeah you're you're starting to see that a little bit there are some studios that are that are more inclined especially the independent ones to go digital and send people a link or send a link to their library and then upload right um the actual films through the library and you can keep up with them throughout you know the months ahead and, and that's kind of i think smart and it's it's accessible because when you have like a post office strike you might not get the screener until, until later, later or next year and even. to me it's just like it should be like an itunes rental like where you have three days after you start playing it to watch it but i know they don't want to hinder like 
what happens if something happens and you can't but i feel like then you have to request another key or something to unlock it again right like um and the studio should let you do that because if you need to watch it for voting but then that way to me it makes sense because then you can't share screeners you can't like and i get that there's the whole technology thing and not everyone wants to deal with that and everyone has a dvd player so that makes sense but um there's got to be some middle ground or some better way to watch it in good quality and not have to like wait for these to come out and not have to print blu-rays or um even if they sent you like it on a usb thing i don't know how right like, maybe that's too well like, even you can't put even a full movie file on even sending you drive. like maybe an option like like you know do you want a, at the be- a, a at the beginning of the season you should be like do you want a blu-ray a dvd or an online yeah, screener vhs perhaps. <laughs> yeah do you want someone to come and read the script to you at your house um i don't know like again who knows what goes on in the behind the scenes there but i was always fascinated um and i was always impressed when a studio would send a blu-ray screener cuz yeah. that happens every once in a while disney and does like, that quite sometimes, a bit yeah, yeah like i remember last year they sent coco, coco on, which on it wasn't blu-ray. out on blu-ray yet no. um so i'm and that's interesting for disney to do cuz usually they're even more protective and right. like not a bad thing but like universal used to do it too cuz i remember like the this is 40 screener i think was a blu-ray and that right. was like a, a while ago now so i'm just surprised it all hasn't switched over but or you should at least it'll probably take another 10 years before they ultimately go to blu-ray or digital well i mean you see how the market's going in that like i mean you're gonna have to buy most of your physical media from like boutique labels probably right yeah because even we've talked i think the last episode yeah the last episode we talked about going into or maybe the last one or one before that but going into like a best buy or something like that and it's kind of like a barren now right and if you don't buy a blu-ray on the first day you might miss out on the five copies that they had at right. the store and then you have to order it online. Yeah. Something. And, and they're only going to carry sort of the mainstream stuff because you have to go to like, you know, a smaller uh, venue like uh, Bay street video, which has much more, but also you have to pay a little more because they're importing it. Right. So yeah. the price importing and they're a smaller shop, so they yeah. don't buy as much stock so they can't, um, subsidize it that way and buy in bulk and like that's why amazon can have the cheapest prices on all of this stuff and um disney stuff's weird and i still go into like i want to pick up lion king yep Um, it's coming out next week yeah that's a big week next week you got mission impossible fallout which i already own on digital because i found out it had the expanded aspect ratio so nice. i bought it so. uh lion king and uh westworld are all uh season two for oh westworld 4k 4K, yeah Ooh, nice nice um Speaking of that, I want to talk to you about something, but let me go through the whole rigmarole. So uh, we're already like half an hour in, but uh, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each and every week, Eric and I get together, uh, talk about movies, talk about trailers, talk about news. Um, Sometimes we do a review series. We just finished up the Rocky movies. You can go back and listen to those on the previous episodes of the Untitled Movie Podcast, as well as Eric and I do a separate podcast called the Untitled Movie Reviews, where we review movies every week uh those episodes are 20 minutes and under if you like this podcast you can get us in bite-sized form whether it's your short commute or on your car ride or wherever you're going um both podcasts are available on apple podcasts uh google play spotify anywhere you get your podcast so uh we re- really it's free ap- it is so really appreciate you guys listening uh and uh thank you yeah. <laughs> really um eric yes what have you been watching lately 
You know what? I haven't been watching a whole lot other than screeners, and I feel like everything is kind of this big blur right now, and I'm right. sure, not sure what I can talk about and what I can talk about, but I did yeah. rewatch. It's a weird thing, like, we just talked about the whole screener thing, too, because, like, you're not technically embargoed on any of that stuff no. because they just send you it, but then some of it you still have relationships with the studios in Toronto where right. they do have screenings. So and those should... embargoes can be different yeah. from the American embargoes, whether it be social media or actual... Uh, written reviews or or video reviews because they usually prefer the review the actual review to be posted the week of its release because it's a way to advertise that the film is coming out and it doesn't confuse people to think like oh well, it's opening this right. week when you actually you're just basically saying hey i saw this early and advertising it you know too far in advance because there are a lot of times where that does happen where you get to see a movie a week or two ahead of schedule especially again this time of year um and you're like okay well what's the embargo for this or what's the embargo for that and you always have to keep track of everything and make sure you know you're on the same wavelength as the the studio reps right um but i did rewatch widows again on right. sunday we talking which I, you went to the theater to see it i right? did in 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 ajax um and it was funny because yesterday i got the screener for it um but i actually I, I really wanted to see it again in the theater for two reasons one because i hadn't seen it since tiff and just to see it on a day where I hadn't watched anything else and to kind of have a clear right. mind, clear slate. I want to do that with a few TIFF movies. Yeah, and and also, I mean, Widows isn't doing that well in the box office. And, I, you know, $12 isn't going to do much for the movie in terms of helping but it. But I feel like I contributed. You wanted it. to support it. Yeah, and especially because I, I think Steve McQueen is one of the best filmmakers right now working. And, and um, that movie is... Really, just an incredible work of art and skillfully done. Like I, I think that screenplay, like the way that it delivers exposition and backstory and character arcs, and you know maintains a certain amount of style throughout, and the way that the uh, set pieces are executed is so perfectly blended. And there's not really another movie like this out right now, and it just kind of bothers me that nobody is seeing it, or why nobody. Why is do you think it. that is? Because I've seen some people talk online about it and think it's part of the marketing problem. Yeah, um, I mean, I think also like the way that it's being marketed as a heist movie, and it is a heist movie, but there's more to it than that. And I think maybe the more complicated drama of it the interesting character story the female driven aspect of it maybe turning off the male uh viewer a little bit and i think also again it is incorporating a kind of art house sensibility you have a filmmaker who is socially conscientious when it comes to yeah. making you know a big budget studio i think film. that's one of the more enticing elements but i just don't know if it was handled well in the marketing because i i for me it's like they tried to find that middle ground of of making it a um, make it seem like it was this big important not Oscar contender type sort of Oscar contender type movie and I don't know if that works with a mass audience all the time where right. they almost should have played up like the action element and the heist element. But the people of the would movie. complain about that that when they go and see They're it, that it's not, yeah, that it's not all that. I mean, like look at A twenty four. Every time they, they release a, a trailer movie. to a movie, especially horror films, and people go and see it, it was oh, it's not a horror movie. It's boring. Yeah, it got ripped off. Yeah, um, no, mismarketing is a huge problem, yeah. and I think they they. I don't know. They played down some of the action elements and maybe didn't make it as 
seem as fun as it probably should look. And I right. think the movie is a lot of fun, but also still has that important stuff. And I feel like you maybe could have had a balance between those two and got more people out to the theaters. But I'm with you. Maybe the it sucks to say, but maybe the female cast turns off like that action driven audience of that's male mostly male dominated. Yeah, like, especially younger males as yeah. well. Caucasian males who aren't as cultured or yeah yeah and 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 it's unfortunate because they're missing out on a really oh it's fantastic I thought Widows Widows was one of my favorites of TIFF and I I, I've been I just haven't really gone to the movies all that much lately like if you look even on my letterbox like I barely watch anything and the reason of that is I am five seasons deep into Game of Thrones you were just hitting it Uh, hard yeah I feel like the last time we talked I literally just started it yeah I think you were only like maybe done half a season or the first season and going into two and now now five seasons in well I'm on season five I think I just finished the fourth season finale and I'm well not just because I'm like five episodes into season Season five. So you got a little bit of um, uh, the red wedding. Then, I huh? did. Yeah. That's season three. I was. I was surprised how early it was because I remember it I being it like later, a recent yeah. thing. But it was like no, it's in the third season, I think, or maybe I'm wrong. But no, end of the third season. I'm pretty sure. Uh, dude, I'm I'm hitting it hard and I'm fully in. And like, I if people have been following along on my Twitter, I was like, I'm half joking with those things and being kind of sarcastic and stupid while I'm tweeting it, but still genuine. Um, like a, a Peter Dinklage's British accent. Yeah, and then uh, someone brought up they're like, well, you don't know if he's trying to do a british accent it could be a fake accent from one of the regions in 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 westeros i'm like he's still doing an accent he's from new jersey you know um and it is of a european dialect right so i um so yeah you brought up that point i do have some issues with the show some qualms if you will uh, but overall it's it's got its deep deep hooks into me and i'm uh i was totally wrong when i was being stubborn about game of thrones and being like it's not for me i don't want to watch it and people would be like no i just give it a chance and i'd be like nah i don't like uh, swords and 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 costumes giants and and, and fantasy stuff and right like, um castles but I it's just, a great world building show it and really I think is that's yeah what really kind of hooks a lot of people is that they're impressed with the detail the scope and the of scope everything and the, and, the, and the scale because you know not just dragon scales but the scale of you know the cast the locations the actual minutia of the storylines and, and how you have all these different pieces with characters that never really meet but you're right. so engaged but they're with still all a part of, of the them. puzzle and they yeah. need to they need to be there in order for this other storyline. Right, and they're interacting with each other without interacting with each other, right? Like, yeah. the thing, the fallout from some of the stuff they do is ripples through this gigantic world that they've built, and, like, um, it, it's, it, they do a great job of making you fucking hate people, and they do a great job of Joffrey. making you... Yeah, Joffrey <laughs> sucks, man. I hate that dork. Um, and, like, but, and they do a really good job of um, developing the characters throughout the series and making you start to kind of care about people you fucking hated earlier in the show or thought you could not possibly be redeemable. But right. like, you're talking like, like maybe like Jamie, Jamie or, yeah. and like and things like that. Where like I'm I'm arguing with Nevis and Nevis has watched the whole series, so she's kind of like laughing as I'm watching and talking about it because basically she has this like oh you'll see kind of uh, as you go on kind of thing and. Um, yeah, man, it's it is fantastic, and I was so so wrong, and I'm I'm willing to admit that I was very wrong about it, and um, I yeah, the issues I have is like with some of the fantasy elements, I feel like are um almost too scarce in the sense that they feel 
weird when they're there when because they're like because if it was like pretty like if it was utilized more i'd almost be okay with it because it would be part of the show right. but when it's mostly like hardcore like political chess moves of like and big uh, uh battles and everything is mostly and realistic and a lot of sex yeah everyone is sex. so horny on that show i'm just like it's like oh we had some fights everyone wants to fuck now <laughs> and yeah. like that, or, that was the original title of the show fights and fucks yeah uh, so it's just um yeah, some of the fantasy stuff when the White Walkers come in or like um, the, anything the, with Braun, I usually kind of zone out. And then yeah, Ma- Max von Sydow just came in as the as the three eyed Raven and like some of that stuff and some of these like snow zombie shit and some of the ghost killers and like a woman gives birth to a smoke monster from Lost right. and like and so some of that shit. It, I'd almost be okay if that like continued, but it's almost like they're building up to maybe it it plays more into the the newer seasons that i'm not there yet and people have told me that sort of is the case but it just feels weird when you have a whole season and like there's two fantastical things that happen and they just feel like random to me like i'm like oh you have all this shit and then suddenly this woman gives birth to a smoke dude and he kills someone and like right. you're like what the fuck and then like i sometimes but people like, felt that way with lost though as well that's where, true. like you know a polar bear comes out of nowhere and it's but not really that... explained at first and then it takes three or four seasons to kind of get into the but, dharma initiative and sure stuff. but like i feel like that was part of a mystery where here i don't really find it like really? it's not a I, mystery. I find there's there's mystery behind certain characters and oh, story totally. arcs and stuff like that maybe I, I i don't know maybe i'm just i was so turned off by it that i have but i'm starting to buy in the closer right. we get to it being utilized more um, this isn't Harry Potter, man. Yeah, and that's. But the thing is, it kind of wants to be sometimes, right? right? And like, so it's just finding that balance between some of that like political chess moving and 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 violent battles and. It's sex the game and, of like, risk, but with um, supernatural qualities. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, I'm like on season five right now. Um, You're just about on the tail end. It does of a the- great quality seasons as um, you're going to be venturing oh, yeah. now into the more i don't want to say that the seasons six to seven aren't enjoyable but it feels like it is coming to its inevitable conclusion and it is good that you know with season eight coming that it is going to wrap things that's up. so interesting because i've heard the other side of it too that it, it people say like oh it just gets better and they like the later seasons more than the earlier well the seasons, later seasons so. are, are more action-packed and you are getting characters that are meeting for the first time so there's the excitement of seeing sure. interactions that you haven't seen before yeah but i do feel like well you know to get to the point of where you started where you know who's going to uh rule the kingdoms mm-hmm. um you need to to get there because you know not a spoiler alert but you know people die and characters start to diminish so you have to get to a spot where you have the final the the one king to rule them all yeah and um or queen yeah um so yeah and i'm amazed at how god i love aiden gillen is (laughs) that his name Yeah, yeah yeah Um, I kept joking that. Oh, he's like, so slimy. He is, but he's so good. I love and him then, on the like, wire as well. Um, and I'm just amazed at how out of left field they'll just kill someone off that you think is a main character, or um, or it'll just be like you're watching an episode and you're like, okay, shit's happening, and then just everything shit just hits the fan and like everyone's dead and you're like wait what what just happened and you get emotionally Um, invested as well you do right i was so angry at the red wedding like everyone i knew it was coming 
I wasn't sure who who perished in it. I won't give anything away on this if in case spoiler alert for what um, was it 2014 Sure, but there are probably people like me who, who maybe maybe yeah. me saying I'm enjoying it goes, "Oh shit, I do want to watch that now" or something, right? Not giving myself any credit. Right. I don't listen to me, but like um no, he's listening to us, right. Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I'm just, uh, that's what I've been watching. So I haven't really watched many movies. So I haven't gone to the theater because like I've watched like 50 hours of Game of Thrones right. in the last, Which like, is like a movie though. Oh, I mean, it really it is. is. It's a movie is, that never ends. Yeah. It feels it, like. It's as cinematic as any film. And that's why they've had, you know, episodes or premieres screen in theaters and the quality is just as good as any theatrical release. And why you've seen all of the actors move on to do films at like yeah. while they're on the show or directors with Alan Taylor or um I mean you see Michelle McLaren who was also did Breaking Bad and and now she's finally signed on to do Uh she's doing a movie called The Nightingale which isn't the same Nightingale As, that yeah. Jennifer Kent has directed that's going to be playing at Sundance right. which we'll talk about that later yeah. but then you also have Neil Marshall but Neil Marshall was around before that who was doing movies like you know Doomsday and now he has the new Hellboy film coming out and right. yeah and you're seeing a lot of the actors pop up here and there and 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 some were were doing well beforehand i mean liam cunningham is the the what's what's his character's name the onion uh uh the uh, the onion guy the um the onion guy he, he always says that he smells like onions i'll show you uh yeah show me a i'll photo. show you a photo of it he was in hunger with michael fassbender okay um keep talking as i as i look this up no man but like i'm excited to power through the rest of the series and get it done before april because april obviously the the final season of game of thrones comes out and oh yeah he always reminds me in the show of um nick offerman sometimes too i guess he kind of has like when they both have the beard and it's almost colored in the same way because when nick offerman grows out his beard um I like him though too. He's great. I, uh, I, Liam Cunningham is a, is a great character actor, and I mean he's been around since the late '80s, early '90s. And one of the the, the films that I kind of really first noticed him was was Steve McQueen's Hunger, where he plays the priest that's talking right. to Michael Fassbender, and they have You're this right. one unbroken scene of, of dialogue that's incredible and kind of sums up the whole movie. But yeah, like you're seeing a lot of those people, and then obviously like more like I remember um, like. Natalie Dormer, there was a year where she was in both Rush and The Counselor, and everybody's like, who is this? And then it's like, well, she's on Game of Thrones. Right. You know. She's great. I like yeah. Natalie Dormer a there, lot. There's a um, lot of people. I think everybody, for the most part, is great on this show. Like, there, it doesn't That doesn't like, always translate well to the movies that right, other Right. And, and it might even hurt them a little bit, just in terms of, like, it... It ups it's their profile, such a, yeah. and where like there are some really wonderful British and European character actors that you know have been doing great. No work one knew for... who Sean Bean was. Before yeah, this and show. it's kind of <laughs> almost the same thing with like James Gandolfini when he did The Sopranos, where like beforehand he was the guy who was known for you know the 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 heavy in in True Romance or in a lot of Tony Scott's movies, and then after The Sopranos he became so famous that like anything you put him in you just thought of Tony, Tony Soprano, Soprano. Yeah, yeah right and I feel like that is the problem with some of the people on Game of Thrones it's the same but... thing with The Wire as well <laughs> yeah. like I like every time I see J.K. Simmons the first thing I think of isn't J. Jonah Jameson it's Oz which, which was is the so, first thing I saw him on so interesting because HBO has been one of those networks that like I never really 
got into or like any show like i haven't H- seen really yeah i feel like, that way more with uh amc for me like, no it, but for me personally like i never watched the sopranos i'm just watching game of thrones now never seen oz never seen uh the wire um like all of these, these are HBO great shows. shows the only hbo rome, show you I, would love rome as well um, which has actually a number of actors that were on that are on game of thrones as well like right. kieran hines who played uh, Julius Caesar on Rome, who's okay. amazing on that. Like, again, it's very similar. Like, it feels like Rome was almost the prototype in a weird way, right. so, even though it's his, it's historical fact where this is fiction. But, like, in terms of the, you know, the medieval or, or the, the period drama, the costume drama, but mixed with kind of the edgy blood and guts and tons of sex. Yeah. Um God, it's so violent it sometimes is. too. It I'm is. It's amazed. real violent. Like, it's horrible. Like when they're killing babies and like just horrible, horrible shit in this show that I'm amazed gets on television. And like I know it's HBO, but again, going back to that, like I think it was maybe my parents never had it when I was growing up, or it was just something. Like I've never been a huge TV guy. Like certain series get the gets their hooks in me, but. Um, I, I always have a hard I have such a blind spot with HBO, so with Crave now, the new Crave rebrand, um, that's why um, Nevis is watching Sex in the City for the first time, I'm watching Game of Thrones for the first time, so we're really utilizing the shit out of uh, the new Crave. Yeah. So shout out and to And I him. also really love uh, uh, Stannis. Yes, Stannis Baratheon. He is an SOB. Oh, God. Yeah. No, there are a lot of pieces of shit on that show. Where he's like, so good. Like, he's a guy he's that a, you hate, but you love him yeah. at the same Like, Joffrey, you just hate because he's a... A whiny a little, little D-bag. Yeah, yeah, but him, he is like... His villainy and, and treachery is so... It's almost... He's it's awful, del- It's but, delicious. Um, it's weirdly like you just want to, like, lie around in it and enjoy it. And, and be who's... Like, <laughs> um, fuck, not... Uh, there's Theon Greyjoy. Who's the guy who tortures him? Um, he's a, another little shit that's almost as worse than Joffrey because he's such a psychopath. Oh, like, oh um, um, I don't want to say because there's something that comes up with him yeah. that I don't want to spoil. But um, yeah. I, I do know who you're talking about, and somebody's probably screaming into the into their. Oh, I know. Sorry, I don't know all the characters' names and stuff. He has a rust, not rust, not rusty, <laughs> rusty, rusty <laughs> nail. Um, anyways, we can. Uh, I'll keep everyone updated on my uh, Game of Thrones journey. I'll try not to spoil anything, but I'll just uh, let you know how I'm feeling about... uh... (laughs) Oh, God, he's great. Yeah, Yeah, so good. Um, The Wildlings and stuff like that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, Force Majeure. I think you saw him in Force Majeure first. Force Majeure first, yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's fantastic. I'm going to Oh, Charles Dance. Oh, Charles Dance is amazing. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of great people on the show, so... The Dink, as much as I don't like the Dink's accent in the show, he is very charismatic and very good. Oh, his performance um, is 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 amazing. Uh, are you talking about Ramsey? Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking hate Ramsey. Oh, he is. Like, I there's hate a him. guy that you just yeah, yeah, you love Rusty, to hate. <laughs> Rusty Ramsey, same thing. <laughs> That's his middle name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah he's such a piece of shit man and i feel like theo started off like uh he uh, kind of okay and then he becomes a piece of shit and then you almost feel bad even though theo or theon was like a a a garbage person like you almost feel bad what happens to him and like it's just uh it's interesting that they turn those things on but that's great character work i mean like in terms of writing and performance it's like you're you're I mean, yeah, there are still characters that are kind of one-dimensional in a way that are structured to be that way. Yeah. Um, Joffrey specifically, but 
when you get time to really flesh these stories, these storylines out, and these characters in the world, you get to see other aspects of them, and it's interesting to see a, a human being, you know, and and sometimes you root for them, and sometimes you don't because people are complicated. Yeah, totally agree. So, um, yes, I will keep everyone updated on that journey, and I'm sure that's all I'll be watching for the next couple weeks, at least, depending how quickly I can get through this. Um, the other thing I... So I haven't really watched many movies. I watched The Meg um, for the first time. It's Megalodon. Um, yeah. It's a Megalodon. I, then, I uh, wish that they put some sort of reference to the shark repellent from Mechanic Resurrection right, in there. Right, I know. You wanted that so bad. I did. Um... It's fine. I mean, it's it's stupid. It's bad. Yeah, um, it's a dumb beat. When movie. I say fine, I mean like I sort of enjoyed it while Nevis and I half watched it at home. Right. When it was on in the background, and Nevis really wanted to see it. Right. She theater? likes big dumb like action disaster, disaster films type movies. Yeah. So um, it was one that we were we wanted to go see at the drive in. It just never really worked out. And we were both like, this would have been a fun drive in movie, but like, and it was still fun to watch it with her at home. Like we both. It's a, it's not good at all. No. Like I'm like I, we were making fun of it the whole time, but the better movie to see that's kind of in the same vein. Well, one, I mean, obviously that that last act really reminded me of Piranha 3D, yeah. which I think is is it's a B movie, but I think that it's enjoying and relishing in the exploitation more and it's having fun with it. Yeah. Where like I almost feel with The Meg there are moments where it's trying to play it safe for a PG PG 13 audience but at the same time it wants to also have its uh fish and eat it too and try to have the violence of you know one of those more hard R uh monster movies yeah. and it just doesn't work so you know something like Piranha 3D or the uh Steven Summers classic from the the late 90s Deep Rising um, are better versions of that. Are they masterpieces? No, but I think they do the same thing, but better. Mm -hmm. um, Deep Rising, specifically, yeah. if you haven't seen that with Treat Williams and uh, Kevin J. O'Connor. Okay. Um, it's I don't want to reveal what, what it is, but it's basically kind of a similar premise. You know, group of people out in the middle of the ocean have to fend off a, a creature of uh, a, a certain size, a leviathan, and yeah, it's like those movies are fun where I kind of felt like this didn't really know whether or not to just kind of keep it classy or actually go the distance and be graphic and gory because they do cut away from some stuff that I'm like, oh, well, why didn't you like show, show something that, more yeah. and, and be that? And it ends up being movie. kind of vanilla, right? Yeah. And like, and for me, it was like I was watching and I was like, are they in on the joke or not? And then I think with the end title with the fin right. and things like that. I'm like, oh, I think they are in on the joke. Like, I, 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 but I can't tell when I'm watching it. I'm like, do they know they're making like a... Well, I think the scene a, where, where they, you know, bring back Jason Statham's character who's hanging out in Thailand, I think that scene kind of tells you that there is some sort of self-aware camp to the whole thing and how ridiculous it is. Mm -hmm. um, and even just that storyline where this guy is like, <laughs> you know, the best at the best, but... He did something in in the heat of the moment that you know some other people it's question, so corny. And, and then like, but he did the right yeah. thing, but he's still disgraced for it, and they have to bring him back and because he, he said there was a giant shark, sure. and, and, he, and, like, and he was right. You're like you're <laughs> fucking crazy, and yeah. I had to get it like a psych. no such thing as a megalodon, man. <laughs> 
it's it's bad, but um, it has its moments, and I think yeah. like as like a, it's a perfect rental. Yeah. Like Deep Blue Sea is probably the best Jaws ripoff. Agreed. Um, I love Deep Blue Sea. Um, this a was cool like jam, man. again this in 4K Dolby Vision at home, no one bothering me. I can just watch it yeah. and like for seven dollars or whatever it was. I'm like, eh, it's fine. Like it's a perfect either plain movie or or VOD kind of if you're bored at home. Not saying it's any good. I still think right. it's a bad movie, but like. Although I did laugh a couple times when they had they tried to do jump scares with the shark because it's so big. It's like <laughs> how do you hide that? Right. It's all so stupid. It's um, silly. Yeah. Uh, I guess you kind of went over. You're just watching screeners and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 just trying to catch up with you know anything else that I've that I've, that I've missed. I've seen some stuff that I'm not sure if I'm embargoed or not. So I yeah, no, won't no mention worries. it, but um, we'll talk about it when, when they're released and For there's sure. some stuff that we'll be mentioning soon that yeah, we can talk about. Totally. Um, so what are you staying at home to watch this week? So what's new okay. on DVD and Blu-ray? I want to know so, what you're picking up. Scream Factory is one of my favorite labels because as a kid, I watched a ton of, of 80s horror movies, sci-fi films, kid. comedy. Well, that was my thing. I know, like, I'm kidding. Like, I would go to Blockbusters or Rogers Video or, you know, even the, like, Hollywood Video. Jumbo, Jumbo Video? video? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. They had the popcorn machine, oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And I would go to the horror section and I would always rent movies based on the cover art. Yeah, totally. Like, I would yeah. never, I would never, like, know read what it was about the synopsis. Or... Or I would just be like, oh, there's, like, this weird creature on it or, like, there's a shark I was the on same. It. I was the same. Yeah, and so... Um, Scream Factory, they're a genre label uh, from Shout. Uh, they released a uh, box set. They've done. They've released actually a couple really good box sets this uh, this year. One being the Wreck Collection, um, which the first two Wreck movies I think are fantastic. And prequels to Wreck It Ralph, right? No, no. <laughs> um, and Quarantine kind of ruined the the final you know, moment of, of that movie. It just felt like the poster itself. Um, and then the Larry Cohen, uh, it's alive series where this killer baby is attacking people from the late seventies into the nineties. Um, very, that's, I mean, that is the definition of a B movie. Um, but what they have released this week, and I would recommend it, especially if you're a fan of kind of the creature features, but specifically the little creatures, because there was a number of these movies that were being released. Um, most of which came out after Gremlins was a huge success. Uh, the big one was was Critters afterwards, which is the the Scream Factory release. And in this box set, you have all four movies. And within those sets, um, there's some great behind the scenes features. Um, there are documentaries on the original writer uh brian mirror and sort of his story and how kind of it's very bittersweet in a way um the they're all 2k scans so they they look better than the dvd versions that new line yeah, released a while ago will look great um yeah. and yeah and, and and they still retain the grain and the texture of the the film version and so essentially what it is is outer space critters or crites as they're called land in sort of a rural uh mid West America and attack a small family living on a farm. Um, in the movie, you kind of have a combination of both horror comedy. There's a lot of character actors and up and coming actors that you'll notice throughout the entire series. So the first film actually has Billy Zane <laughs> in one of his first roles, and he gets uh, he's spoiler alert one of the first guys to get uh, his stomach eaten out by a, a critter, and you get to actually weird see... wording. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry. Well, it's that, yeah, that you do, sure, yeah. and you, well, you get to see his his stomach totally ripped out and, there, and stuff okay, like that. It, and yeah. it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so with that scene, like I actually saw um, the the cuts, the edits of it, and it was ten times more violent, and they had to cut it out because of how graphic they went, and like even. The MPAA was talking about like, well, we can't, we can't show the guy's finger coming off, but if you remove two or three frames, which they did, and just you know have a kind of simulation of it, yeah, um, that's fine. It's it's strange. The MPAA is weird? really really weird. Yeah. And so Critters was kind of a, a a success more so on video when it came out and people were watching it over and over again, and that's why the sequel came out, um, Critters Two: The Main Course. Um, with and I showed you the clip with the giant uh, tumbling ball of critters. Uh, the Chiodo brothers, uh, who directed um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yeah. were the visual effects guys, and they stretched their budgets on that because the budgets got smaller and smaller when Critters Three and Four came out on uh, home video release only. But Critters Three is memorable because it was Leonardo DiCaprio's first feature film, and he has now disowned the movie because the way that they marketed it in on video after he became a star was they put this little photo of him uh, at the bottom of the poster of the the VHS cover, and it said starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, but they're fun. It's it's fun. Is that still on your release on the Blu-rays? Or no? no, not on the Blu-rays. But I have the VHS. <laughs> photo I have the VHS yeah. copy of it, and I'll actually maybe dig it up and put it yeah. on a photo of Instagram. it on Instagram because yeah. it is pretty funny just to see this like photo of these two critters, <laughs> or no, this critter busting out of like a, a New York uh, uh, sort of frame, and then at the bottom you have DiCaprio on there. But it is, like, anybody that kind of loves 1980s B-movies, or especially horror sci-fi, should definitely give this a shot. There's a sequence in the film with um, one of the bounty hunters, because there are bounty hunters that hunt the Krites, that morph, uh, their faces morph, and one of them, played by Terrence Mann, who is a uh, theater actor at the time, still is, um, plays a character called Johnny Steele, and has a song called Power of the Night, and the music video actually plays throughout the film um and it's kind of fun and then also weirdly d wallace uh who went by d wallace stone for this film who was the mom in et uh is in critters and there's even a joke about um one of the critters biting off the heads of a et toy oh cute yeah cute i have never seen the critters movies so i will have to maybe uh check them out yeah i uh you always tell me about these weird like eighties horror movies to watch, and we've watched a few of them. I think didn't we watch the Blob yes. together? Yes, some of the fun. best special effects. Oh, in it the Blob in... was awesome. Yeah, like it yeah. still holds up. Yeah, the Blob was a blast. Um, for me, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but Lion King's coming out in four K. Yeah. Um, the original, and we're gonna t- actually. This is a good segue. Segway, actually, yeah. so um, the original nineteen ninety. Three or four? I thought it was four. 94. Yes, 94 Lion King um, animated movie is coming out on uh, uh, 4K um, physical. Um, and I'm, I'm really pumped to watch it. Like, Lion King and Aladdin were always my two favorite Disney animated movies. And, You're a child of the um, 90s. Very much so. And I'm um, excited to see how it... Because it already... I remember watching a uh, shout out to our friend Mike Muntz, who has a great uh, um, home theater setup, but he put on the 3D version of Lion King for us because he has a 
65 inch OLED LG 4K 3D um, TV. And I was already like blown away with how good that 1080p 3D transfer was and how great the 1080p transfer of Lion King is. So I'm curious to see if, if it can look even better on 4k. Like I know right. it's a 4k scan of the movie. I'm pretty sure they re like they rescan the, the print and stuff like that, but it's the first, I, I, I might be mistaken, but I think it's the first Disney animated movie to be on 4k correct? Like when it comes to hand-drawn animation, like their library titles, I don't, don't right? quote me on this, but I think you're right because I know there, there's a couple that are in the process of little mermaid is rumored. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think part of it, it or the strategy is they'll release them closer to win the live the action, live action. Like, i'm it, sure is it a live action oh yeah version? we're gonna talk about that in a second too um, until the remakes come out yeah, like i'm yeah. sure we'll get aladdin in 4k next year as well yes. so, oh yeah um can't wait to watch that so um, and even the, even not, not just uh the hand-drawn stuff but like i could see even the toy story movies getting a 4k physical media releases by then as well because for toy story 4 right that would make sense right and i've already heard rumors that Doctor Strange and Captain America the First Avenger are the next two um yeah because they just uh, released the Avengers the first two Avengers movies yes leading into Infinity War War, yeah um on 4k so I'm excited to check that out and see how that looks so I'll report back next week and I'm sure you're gonna oh yeah next week is is a big blu-ray 4k anything else for you uh mission impossible you mentioned well mission impossible is open so when we're recording this it um it hasn't been released i know but like we're that Uh, this episode goes up the day before yeah criterion released um the orson wells movie the magnificent ambersons which uh i'm excited to revisit i haven't seen that since film school um (laughs) and it was one of those where when citizen they released a box set for citizen kane and an original version of that box set actually came with that movie and then they discontinued it and for some reason they took that out of the box set as like a a feature so now it's finally available on blu-ray as a single disc which is exciting and Mm -hmm. um some like it hot as well also from uh criterion which is the billy wilder jack also uh, haven't seen since film school uh lemon uh comedy speaking of that we talked about canopy recently remember yes and i was wrong when we were talking because I think I was like, "Oh, you can't wrong. watch it anywhere but like in crappy quality on your laptop or whatever." Right. I was. Oh, you're com- giving Kennedy, uh, Kennedy, uh, <laughs> Canopy a hard time, huh? I, well, I sort of was. I just thought it would it was a pain in the ass, but I didn't realize they have a iPhone app and an Apple TV app, and the quality is actually quite good because obviously it's Criterion and there's lots of great movies. Um. Well, not just Criterion, but the Criterion Collection is available on Canopy. Um, but if you have a library card and if your library participates in it, you can get a Canopy account for free. And it's not unlimited. You only get eight watches per month. Right. Um, and they expire like rentals do. So if you start a movie, you have to watch it within three days, I believe. Um, yeah, so like an iTunes download. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 8 is pretty good, and especially because they have the Criterion Collection. A24's library just was put on there. Kino Lorber's um, collection is on there. Um, and, and, that's, and that's stuff that just isn't like... I, I do like Netflix, but we always talk about like how you know they don't go past 1989 for yeah, some stuff. Yeah. And it's like you're actually getting... 
you know, film history on something like Canopy or with, with you know, the late, the now late uh, Filmstruck. Filmstruck. Yeah. And, and this will also be nice to kind of tide people over until Criterion, the Criterion Collection streaming service comes to Canada, which it is, which is very exciting. That is very exciting. So I, I, I messed around with it a little bit. I put on um, eight and a half. Ooh, um, uh, were, you, were you trying to get back into, uh, you know, maybe I'm going to give Roma another chance? Yeah, kind of the yeah. Surrealism Dude, even it? in the first 15 minutes of eight and a half, I was like, oh, this is like Roma. Right. Um, <laughs> and then you were also like, yeah, nine is a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got <laughs> Rob it. Marshall. Yeah. Um, the quality's great. I was impressed. It looked very nice on my 4K TV, and uh, I just wanted to give them a shout-out. And shout-out to libraries in general. I, I tweeted about this, but, like, with my library card, I went to renew it because I wanted to try out Canopy on my Apple TV, and you can get a free Linda account. I don't know if you know Linda, but, like... I don't know Linda. Uh, How is she doing? <laughs> um, LinkedIn just purchased them, but they're almost like a... a you can get tutorials on basically anything and you can take courses and usually the membership's like $400 and it's all through LinkedIn and you can go like, I want to learn how to be a graphic designer and you can take a whole bunch of courses about Photoshop and, and things like that. Or like for me, I was like, I want to get back into video editing and right. like, um, so there's a whole video editing course that you can take and you can be certified, which then you can put on your LinkedIn profile or your resume and things like that. So it's like almost that. like so, online courses for university or college sort of, almost, but it's, but it's yeah. just, just tutorial yeah, stuff. Just, you can teach yourself and there are a lot of good uh teachers that and they're all video based and you get um assignments and you can do them and like um i haven't started it yet but i signed up for um that because i wanted to get back into video editing and they have video production it's like how to be a film producer how to do like there's lots of great stuff for people out there that either want to maybe um hone in on their skills in their careers like there's lots of marketing courses that i could do on there or if you want to learn something new or something as a side project like if you wanted to start your own podcast there is a content marketing thing that says how to start a podcast and there's a course on there that will teach you and um so linkedin slash linda if you want to no, uh, sponsor, sponsor us <laughs> yeah no i'm just shout out to like libraries and like for a guy who i i like to joke and play up that i don't really read like right. I read comic books and I read the internet and you're not and, enlightened, um, enlightened like right. some of those sophisticated. Where I just go, well, all good books get turned into movies. Right. I'll see them then. I'll just, I'll just watch um, the, the the movie adaptation. Yeah, exactly. And I make that joke. And um, but again, and I use my library card mostly for comics and graphic novels. And but there's all this stuff. Um, all this other stuff, this digital stuff that I don't think a lot of people know you have access to. So I just right. To well, I didn't even know about yeah. the. I mean, I know my brother has used Canopy for Criterion because he's also watching. Like he watched uh, uh, the Four Hundred Blows and Rashomon recently, and and things like that. But I didn't realize mm-hmm. that there was the app and the you know eight movies uh, a month and you which know, is more than enough really yeah I yeah think, i mean like, especially considering like unless you like are watching you know doing a game of thrones style but film is a different kind of right experience to watch like i don't think you can really binge watch eight and a half and then follow that up with you know uh fellini's roma right. or amacord or or things like that and and i think that you need time to really digest uh, you know, art films from the 50s, 60s, and, and even before that. I mean, there's even silent films that uh, Criterion has that are, are incredible. Like, I mean, obviously the Charlie Chaplin stuff and, um, you know, the the Carl Theodore Dreyer movies. It's, 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 an, it's, it's just a wealth of 
for like if you you know self-taught film school if you want to sort of and go I, through genres and international films and contemporary gems that's the place you go and it's great like i wish i had this when we were in film school because a lot of the stuff they would assign to us and it feels was, academic like it, when it you're does, getting because like, you could probably get through through your school library as well right like, i'm sure if you had a library card at your school you can get access to canopy because i could only imagine if i was in film school and the, and a teacher would just assign me something and goes listen all you have to do is sign up for this thing with your library card because like and pick I remember something that you want to watch it can be anything i had on to this. pirate stuff because like a lot of the stuff he was assigning, I ran the screenings at our school. But if you didn't come to those screenings, some of them were like small print, like DVD. You can only get them on DVDs yeah. and they were really hard to find. So imagine a college kid who did who skipped the screening of the movie that you had to go to. And try then also to find. you have to worry about the subtitle translations being yeah. correct as well. Because when it comes to, you know, the bootleg versions, one, they could be cut off. I remember uploading a subtitle file and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be right. And but like, two, the, the, the actual um, subtitles might not match what the, you know, the DVD or Blu-ray version is. Which is the official subtitles for them yeah and then like yeah it's um it was a weird time and i just wish that you uh i had access to something like this and even from a teaching perspective if you were planning your film course if you knew your students had access to this you might plan your course around that and make it accessible to everyone and i almost feel Um, like they they should let you kind of pick what you want like steer you in a certain direction in canopy or film school both both but i mean even with school as well because i find like like, I love Shakespeare now, but I remember as a kid, like, going through elementary school and high school, getting the assignments and thinking, oh, this is, this is, this is work. Right. But then, you know, rediscovering them again in college and later on when I wasn't being assigned them, mm-hmm. they, did, they, they were on my own time. It was me seeking them out. Right. I felt like they were a pleasure to read and understand the importance of where they came from. And, and I feel like, you know, you could give a kid this account and say, you know, find something in here you want to watch, whatever tickles your fancy, whatever mm-hmm. you're kind of, whatever you gravitate towards, watch it and then sort of, you know, write something about it or, or talk about it in a, in a class production or For me, that's project. the problem with the school system in general. We're getting super sort of on a uh, off topic, but like... I, that was my big issue in elementary school and high school and when you're being forced to take these certain courses and things that don't interest you and that you'll never use later in your life or right. that you'll like and then finally when I got to college and again I didn't love college either because I had the opposite effect where I almost thought it was too easy because I was doing only things that I enjoyed and and um I found that I wasn't learning all that much it wasn't as I much already, structure so I like I did weirdly good in, or great in college where I had like 99s and 100 in all my courses because... Uh, but you were um, the constant procrastinator. Oh, I'm all, I've always been like that and uh, talk about privilege or whatever. <laughs> but um, I just thought it was weird that they I had to take all these courses in high school. And again, I'm not interested in this novel you're assigning me or things like that. But then when I got to college, I got to take crime studies and we did a whole bunch of Sherlock Holmes novels. And I was actually interested in reading them because... I signed up to take that course or a comics and graphic novels course or a children's literature course. And then I had a documentary course that I got a hundred percent in. Just want to tell you that. <laughs> right. Um, and then, uh, and all the film classes that like, and because I was so into that, it made college 
easy, um, but then it also made it sort of enjoyable too, right? Like right. I didn't mind running the screenings and doing the tests for that and, and things. And it did force me to go back and watch a lot of those things that I hadn't watched and I was first exposed to in film school. And I've still been bad at going back and, and being a film historian because like my film knowledge is very much, we talk about this a lot, like I have a more... I'm very up to date from in my lifetime. So right. 1989, we joked about Netflix only having movies up till 1989. And I'm like the Netflix of movie fans of just being like, I love movies. I love well, cinema. I love the history the present, of it. Though is important because it's it, you're, you're, you'll be a historian of your time. Once right? I'm older yeah. too. Right. And I, but I appreciate someone like you that has, is up to date today, but also kind of knows everything beforehand too so for me something like canopy is is amazing because i feel like i didn't really have access and i didn't seek out a lot of these things like i wasn't going to pay to rent them for some reason but now that i can just watch them on a streaming service in good quality like i think might entice me because i have some criterion titles i have some older films and i like a lot of older films it's just they're few and far between like if you look at my letterbox and my my history in film it's like Anything under 1989, I've seen between five and ten movies of that year. But then you start to hit the 80s, and I've seen in the hundreds, and then the 200s. And, like, I've seen every movie that came out in the last 20 or 10 years or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's funny because when I look on the the letterbox uh, algorithms of, like, you know – what is the most watched decade for for me for you yeah uh, it's 50s 60s and 70s <laughs> really yeah that's so interesting um because mine's 80s 90s and 2000s and yeah because i was thinking it was going to be 80s was the number i one, thought but yeah, 50s but... was the one that I, i've seen the most in that's so interesting yeah i didn't realize it. where i'm i'm brutal when it comes to that stuff i just haven't gone back to watch a lot of the things but with Criterion Channel coming soon, I feel like it's going to be a situation where as soon as it it's available, I will not leave the house. Yeah, well, I I'll mean, be you that... barely leave now. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll be my beard will be even longer and scragglier, and I'll just like I you know if I walk outside and there's like the sun beams down on me, I'll be a vampire completely. It's just one of those things where I just know that. See, like I'm showing Eric my letterbox right now, and see how it goes. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> I'll bring up mine in a second here. So my highest watched decade, or no, see, these are highest rated decades, though, usually. So you might right. have just given a lot of movies in the 50s five stars. Oh, probably. So, because um, you're pretentious. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, well, I have to give it five like stars. My, high, my highest rated decade is the 1990s. And the first thing that pops up is Wild at Heart and the Ninja Turtles movies. And, five star films. Oh, yeah. Both. Um, and Batman Returns. In Pulp Fiction, uh, then the eighties and then the two thousands for me. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, it was highest rated decades, fifties, mm-hmm. sixties. It's because you've given all of 70s. those movies like five stars, probably. Yeah, right? but not everything that I. But you're more critical because you. I think probably you only go back and watch the really great stuff from those decades. Oh no, I watch oh, some yeah? <laughs> stuff that's that's pretty bad. I, th- that's the thing though. Like I want to try to watch more of the kind of middle of the road stuff because it's just interesting to see what was being made 
at that what time. What was shitty back then? Yeah, yeah. What, what was, what shitty was now? the Venom of 1955? <laughs> you know, like what was that I appre- movie? I appreciate that. Yeah, um, and 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 it makes you appreciate the good stuff even more. But yeah, I'm looking at like my films from the 50s. So I have you know some like it hot, Seven Samurai, A Man Escaped, The Night of the Hunter, Wages of Fear, uh, A Face in the Crowd, which Criterion just announced recently through their drawing that they're going to be releasing uh, soon. Sunset Boulevard. Stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, it goes on and on. But, uh, yeah, and, and also I just want to quickly mention that um, I watched a couple uh, Nicholas uh, Rogue movies because oh, right. he recently passed away, a British filmmaker who did Don't Look Now. And um, the movie I watched of his was The Man Who Fell From Earth, which is stars David Bowie as an alien who comes to Earth and kind of explores our world. And it's kind of a sci-fi horror movie, but also a very experimental uh, piece of filmmaking. And you get the sense that, um, you know, Rogue and Bowie were kind of not making it up as they went along, but were willing to, you know, play with the language of cinema in a way that a lot of filmmakers now won't. Like, it feels like there's no structure to it whatsoever. Yeah, and I felt bad because, like, I I didn't even know who nicholas rogue was right so uh that's how poor my cinema knowledge is sometimes but well don't look um, now walk about um the man who fell from earth are ones that i would definitely uh give a shot um bad timing are all are all interesting um, and bertolucci as well passed away but he's a more controversial figure in terms of i have seen some of his movies yeah last tango in paris being the specific butter right yeah which is how that whole scene scene came to be yeah which uh, is just random yeah in the last in the last well i think people were always kind of aware that that scene was very raw and real and graphic like it it pushed the boundaries of the rating system at that time totally but they didn't maybe clue into that it was a set that was problematic and the actress in that situation wasn't treated yeah well and you know as much as bertolucci is uh, a an artist and a great filmmaker you know with 1900 and the conformist and you know his oscar-winning film the last emperor which was the first movie of his i saw um, you know, you have to acknowledge that there were there there were problems with someone like him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. especially looking at it in a 2018 lens. Not that it was yeah. okay back then, but right. now. But it's the same thing more... with like Roman Polanski, right? Where it's like you you can acknowledge that you know the the works are great, but at the same time, the filmmaker, you know, doesn't that doesn't give him the excuse to do what he's no, done. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Uh, weird segue, but let's talk about trailers now. Right. Let's talk trailers, buddy. Um, it was a big week for trailers, and I feel like it has big been week in for the... Disney. Yeah, Disney's been doing this thing lately. No Avengers trailer, but watch it come out tonight after we record this, because right. this is going up next week, or early next week. Um, fuck it. I guarantee they're going to release the trailer between now and Monday when we right. post this, and then this will be out of date. But Disney's been doing this thing where, like, once a week, they've been releasing a new... Uh, trailer at least for all their 2019 stuff um, for basically all of November. Um, so previously we had Toy Story 4 and Dumbo and yeah. So uh, there are now two trailers Aladdin. for Dumbo, Aladdin, and more recently the film that you know, the 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 movie that has caused controversy and took Twitter by storm. Oh, gosh, the live action, live action in quotations or parentheses, 
The Lion King. So John Favreau. What did you think of the trailer? I liked it quite a bit. Same. I mean, part of it was just <laughs> nostalgia, nostalgia yeah. and the chills of hearing. I got that chills when I, score yeah. the opening when, again. Ha! I was like, oh god, it's happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some little differences, like Rafiki not using like, like the, a not a coconut, but like right, a, yeah, he's using like a, a root, yeah, or something like that instead. Like there are little things like that, and um, but yeah, I, I'm actually kind of excited to see how this is gonna work. I heard recently that Amy Sedaris was joined the cast as, as a, a new, new character, character and yeah. That kind of thing always worries me a little bit, but I under- new song, or but do I think? do I do understand when you're expanding something that is shorter into a you know two-hour movie right I mean, dumbo is going to be the really interesting one because that movie is like 70 minutes maybe in total but dumbo i could see be the one that's not two hours and also like, there's a lot a... of racism in dumbo <laughs> with the crows yeah. and you're kind of like they need to probably modify or change oh totally and things. they will i have no doubt that they will i'd be shocked i mean they did make prince of persia with jake gyllenhaal right so. right but even um, but even look at you know um david lowry's working on a new version of peter pan but look at the the joe wright version of pan where you know you had the whitewashing casting of rooney mara right like yeah you know things like that it's 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 going to be kind of interesting because also you have billy magnuson in aladdin who's joined the cast as a new character character. but i think it's i mean i think we might have talked about that but i do think he'll be playing one of the prince characters that tries to win jasmine over which was in the movie but if you have him as like a swedish prince or something instead of and you know he's gonna be good like oh he'll be great yeah don't get me wrong but you also understand like i totally kind of yeah I, whitewashing we are like ooh, we need a white person in this kind yeah. of right like which is a shitty way of thinking but from like disney standpoint and um, well you would think that like you know someone like will smith who's this amazing box office superstar internationally would be enough but is he any more though probably not the same way that he was in the 90s but i mean he's still will smith and i don't think billy magnuson's gonna convince any no, white yeah. people to go see the movie yeah like, i mean theater people you're gonna and, see it or, and people or, like yeah. us who kind of have seen him and ingrid goes west yeah. and game night and and things like that and have kind of enjoyed him in, in those movies will recognize him and also disney's uh into the into the woods which is horrible right. but he was him and chris pine i fell asleep in that movie <laughs> in that movie I, yeah i really did i like we i i watched it at home and and i fell asleep and i've never gone back to watch it but going back to lion king i'm fine that it, it's basically almost a shot for shot and i'm sure they did that specifically to, but is it live action to play. no it's not it's an animated movie but it's just very good animation photorealistic so, yeah photorealistic animation which is um i think it's just a different style of animation and if right. you want to i'm not gonna get hung up if you want to call it live action call it whatever the fuck you want i don't care um what i don't like is the people comparing um, this like the side by side of the animated show. Uh, um, yeah, the animated movie shots versus. The, yeah. And I'm just like, one, this movie's not done yet. You guys do realize, like, if you look at the first trailers for any movie that has a ton of like, well, um, it is a teaser. Uh, yeah, and a ton of special effects that are 
like basically they had a team that was rushing to get this trailer done to make it look great but they're still going to edit all those shots so when people start talking about color composition and how the colors are brighter and more vibrant in the in the animated one or the facial expressions i'm like that's all stuff that they can improve on this was almost like a proof of concept kind of trailer like you didn't really see all that much they just wanted you is basically the circle of life sequence right, right. And, and not even that much of it it's just fragmented because it yeah. is a team. Teaser, that's so what i mean so you're, you're seeing bits of it yeah and it's basically based on how the animals looked in jungle book and and which is photo real it's right. will that look weird when you're having lions talk to each other i mean it didn't in jungle book i felt like it worked fine and right. um although it will uh, be kind of interesting to see how characters like timon and pumbaa kind of translate in right like just not physically but their tonal kind of comedic humor like will that work in sort of this kind of version of a lion king movie i think that's going to be the weirdest thing of it all is just like with photo music with photo real animals and they try to make them move and sound like animals sometimes instead of just being like because uh, I forget who it was who's bringing up a point of just being like Simba doesn't look as express like they all look like real animals right, right? and like even in their like faces and if- imagine them speaking or even the way that they're moving like you can tell in the animated series it's a little bit more animated right like right. um but again I think it's again it's a teaser it's way too early to tell we haven't actually seen any voice acting from it or any any I like with um Seth Rogen and um Billy Eichner is Timon and Pumbaa. Like, I think the casting is, like, spot on with Donald Glover and Beyonce and Chiwetel Ejiofor and um, John, Oliver. Uh, John Oliver. Zazu is almost, like, basically perfect. You can right. just envision these people, do, like, But is doing it too characters. perfect? Because the one thing I do kind of understand, which I think is a fair criticism of, of these live-action movies, like, I, I understand why they're being made. It's introduced, you know, a whole new generation to... Um, these stories and get you know new fans and and kids to watch them but you know is there a redundancy to it because it is All, it's basically the same movie. yeah it's the same script for the most part like i know like there are some of the screenwriters that are starting to petition that they're for not Aladdin getting paid for these or movies. even getting cre- or, or they cre- might get like a characters by or yeah, a story yeah or a story credit. by but they're not being paid for it or they're not getting the compensation that they probably do deserve and you know i think that is actually a fair criticism because we did say that like you know they are expanding th- certain things here and there but at the same time it's like well you know is it just a remake or is it a reimagining and i think the closest thing to an actual sort of different story the one that i think worked best for me personally, it was Pete's Dragon because that felt like it was it was truly doing something. It was different. inspired by, yeah, because it so it wasn't you know a 1960s you know drug reference kind of thing where like it wasn't of its time. Like it actually tried to do something new, and Maleficent did that a little bit as well. I didn't like I didn't, Maleficent, I'm with but you, yeah, but it did go against what the original at least it tried to do something different yeah, right yeah. yeah where i get you where cinderella and um and they're good like i like Be- cinderella beauty and the beast and, like but beauty oh. and the beast had the problem of being the same movie but the extra padding they put on well especially with the music numbers where it really feels like work. hey we're gonna add these new music numbers so we can get uh so we're eligible for oscar nominations which you know year. lion king will too like yeah. elton john is going to write a new song yeah and it, then probably. also well you know Beyonce and like Donald Glover, yeah, like and then are... Disney will submit it also for animated feature film, right? You know, which 
That'll I, be I, controversial next year. You too, think because, so? I think because so because it's anim- because, well, because it the animators in those guilds might look at it as well. The, these people aren't real animators, you know, because the they're special effects artists. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, um, because they were like that with 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 Wes Anderson, you know, with with both Fantastic Mr. Fox and and even uh, Charlie Kaufman with Anomalisa, because these are people that are outside right. the guild that are outside. Like, what do you think with Isla Dogs this year? I think Isla Dogs will get in, but I still feel like you know, like so. What is, is it? Isla Dogs, Spider Man, Incredibles, Incredibles Two, 2. Uh, maybe Ralph breaks the internet. Maybe there's always some. Um, European production yeah. that gets nominated, like Secret Life of Kells and uh, Song of the Sea, things what like that. What would be that this year? The Breadwinner last right. year, um, which was an Irish Canadian production. Um, I, I don't know yet. I mean, they're really this year. Though, out of any genre of film, I think the weakest has been animated movies. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess I don't disagree. Like I really enjoyed Incredibles two, but I I've too, mostly but that, forgotten about of... it. Even Incredibles two, I've yeah. forgotten about. I really enjoyed Ralph. Um, as you can listen to our review on Untitled Movies reviews. Yeah, you can. Um, but again, I I haven't fallen in love with any animated movie this year. Probably. No, I haven't either. And again, I think Incredibles two is probably the best that I've seen. We haven't so seen Spider Man yet, which yeah. the early reviews are out, and everyone says it's great. So. We'll but see. I always, but I always like seeing stuff that's also outside the Disney canon just because like I remember last year like Breadwinner wasn't a perfect movie but I thought it was just a breath of fresh air because it not was have that formula yeah like... it was and it was also it was a movie for kids and adults in the way that it showed a side of the world we don't see and it introduced you know a younger audience to situations that you know we need to no, I think at an early age and glow in the in the world itself and expose yourself to things that you don't normally get to learn about. And maybe some of that stuff is violent or disturbing, but it's a part of life. Yeah. You know, and, and the breadwinner does that beautifully. And um yeah, so it's always nice to see that stuff. I guess I mean Isle of Dogs would be my favorite. Oh, I film, oh, sorry, but, yeah, I keep but, like, but, it, but but again So like, Isle of Dogs I did love sorry. Yeah. Isle of Dogs is like my top in my top but it's, it's funny i don't think, think of it for animating yeah, yeah because again like that's but that's how the animators think of it that's as well. true yeah i just said i didn't love any animated movie this year right. but i do love isle of dogs but again we don't think of it as yeah. an animated movie at se, first yeah. and foremost so so that's the thinking as well with a lot of these animators because it's like well you're you know you're yeah. not one of us right right um moving on to disney live action um the artemis fowl trailer came out uh, no, no. <laughs> I don't really have much to say. I mean, again, I it's wanted... a teaser, and I want to give it the benefit of the doubt that it's just the first, you know, glimpse of what Judy this Dench is. Judy Dench doing that ridiculous voiceover. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, just Kenneth. I mean, like it would have been kind of interesting as a as as a novelty seeing Kenneth Branagh go outside of you know Shakespeare adaptations, but he's already done that with Thor and the Jack Ryan movie, so that's even kind of taken away now it's like yeah we, we know he's dabbled in you know big budget blockbuster popular orient express yeah yeah too, but right? i would say that that's maybe closer in terms of like right. elegant prestige compared to popcorn fare or something like that and this really reminds it does me of, uh, look like wrinkle in time wrinkle of like... time but it also reminds me of like the kids version of men in black or or dare i say 
R.I.P.D. Oh yeah, um, where like you know you have the fantastical elements that the are kids, kind of like stupid sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Un- you know, there's a there's a whole new world underneath the surface, and you know you're discovering it for the first time. Yeah, it it just seems weird or out of place in Disney's lineup next year because they it's Disney's lineup is so fucking massive next year that they're bound to have something people don't care about and right. i feel like it's going to be artemis fowl well, which the release date doesn't help either because it's in august uh, well that's just date. telling because they have so much shit that they're like where can we bury this yeah. so like and even kenneth Branagh during the making of that movie went off to shoot this little film about shakespeare in his later years with his wife who's played by judy dench and so it kind of goes to show you that maybe he was more interested in that than he was. Well, one for you, one for me, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he he obviously has a good relationship with Disney after after Thor. And, well, and Thor, though, and, was with Paramount at the um, time. Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's my bad. Um, I keep forgetting that. But he did do Cinderella. Early. Yes. So technically I was right. I just mentioned the wrong movie. Right. <laughs> um, but I'm sure he still has a he, – he came back for Infinity War to do that opening dialogue. Um, yeah. Uh, for the Asgardian ship. Um, yeah, Artemis Fowl does nothing for me. I just uh, – again, again, it could be – we're, could, just, we're yeah. just judging it on the trailer. I mean yeah. I've never read the books and I always find that it's funny when one of these movies like A Wrinkle in Time comes out and it's like based on the best-selling novel that you remember as a child. It's like I don't remember this as a child. Is no. this real? Did somebody like yeah, I don't just either. say this for the sake of being – It does sound familiar. Like, it sounds like a Disney movie that came out in, like, the, the 90s. 70s. Or, yeah, or 80s or something yeah. like that. Um, uh, like, one of those. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a Disney movie. And I do kind of remember watching that as a kid. But, yeah, it does nothing for me. And then the last trailer I wanted to talk about was for the Lego Movie 2 being released on my 30th birthday, February 8th. Um, no, Phil- So you're the special that day. Yes. Um, no Phil Lord and Chris Miller this time. They are producing, I believe, and yes. maybe they contributed to the script and the story, but um, new director on this, or directors. I think it's directors, and one um, of them is the guy, one of the co-directors of Trolls. Right. you're <laughs> <laughs> um, like, oh no. So oh, no. I want to get your thoughts because, I mean, it's obviously playing up the Mad Max angle thing after the um, Taco Tuesday events of the first right. film. Which and... I still like that. Like the idea, like, you know, that, is, that led to this Mad Max you know, uh, society. Yeah. Afterwards. And I will say that this trailer was better than the first one, but I'm still not for someone. I love, I love the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's great. I, um, I mean, I'm a, a Phil Lord and Chris Miller stan, but like, even I the just, spinoffs that aren't as good are still entertaining. Like Ninjago and, and Lego, Lego Batman. Batman. Yeah. Um, but I feel like with, with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, you know, producing this and also you know focusing more on the spider-verse which sony just recently announced that they're going to do spin-offs of those yeah it's like they're maybe rushing into things and kind of forcing this franchise in this world and i wonder if this if the lego movie 2 will be the ultimate decider whether or not to continue this as a franchise yeah as a as a lego universe yeah, I'll be curious because obviously the Lego movie was a hit and it had those spin-offs. I don't think Ninjago or Batman did as well as they wanted them to. No, but, but Batman did okay considering because it was a February release and, and I think like it hit the market, but it didn't do it in the way that 
the Lego movie I became think, this huge hit. And Ninjago was too much too quickly. Yeah, think, and it was right? also a like, September release, too. And they both came out in the same year. I remember yeah. Batman was in February and Ninjago was September. I didn't see Ninjago until Ninjago's much. fine. I, I watched it on a plane and I was like, oh, this is it's cute. totally, yeah, like, again. It's Jackie like, Chan, man. Oh, God, uh, Dave um, uh, Franco, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed Ninjago, but I mean, I love Lego Movie. I really enjoy um, Lego Batman. So I'm sure this will be fun. Right. I just think it's missing something. I, like, I'm not... And right. Maybe, well, maybe it is a that, lot of that it. Phil, Moore, Phil, Moore, uh, <laughs> Phil Lord and Chris Miller touch, because yeah. maybe it's more than just you know a story or, or, or writing contribution, but actually having them direct and sort of bring their sensibilities and their personality and, yeah. into it because I, I feel like the same thing happened with um cloudy with a chance of meatballs um obviously they directed the first film and then passed it off in the second one and, and the second um, one wasn't bad but no. it kind of felt like a saturday morning cartoon agreed and i feel like that's what's happening with a lot of their franchises that they're handing off and spider-verse seems like the one where they didn't direct it but they had the most involvement after they left solo right um well it felt like probably they put themselves into that to kind of distract themselves and just keep busy after the disaster of that because i mean i'm sure that they felt horrible with how that situation worked and it just kept them busy doing mm, something like so i can an understand. active producer role in yeah. that movie where um, so, I mean, again, we're, again, these are all trailer reactions. I mean, who knows how the movies will actually turn out, but just based on initial reactions to them, like I'm a bit underwhelmed by what I've seen with Lego. Right. Movement. Well, again, is, is it also partly like, because of maybe Chris Pratt as well? Cause you kind of, I feel like I've softened on. Chris yeah. Pratt same. Lately. I still like, like Chris Pratt, but we've talked about this before. He's a supporting actor, a, a great character actor amongst, you know, these ensembles that he's been in, whether it be Moneyball or Zero Dark Thirty or her. And then, you know, with the success of Guardians, which was still an ensemble, it's made him into a star, but it kind of... I don't think he's a movie star. No, I I don't mean that as like a... A slight against him or anything. But especially now he's playing two characters in the Lego movie part two. Even the meta humor in that even seems forced. Like, Chris Pratt's big enough now that we can make a a satirical character based on the roles he's taken right um in a movie that's already starring him as the lead role yeah, and his like, character in jurassic world was so memorable well that's what i uh, and that's the thing like it's combining his roles from magnificent seven um guardians as well as jurassic world essentially into this rich danger field or whatever the guy's name was or like um, and it's cute for a moment, but I'm like, do I, I just, but think, can it sustain yeah. an hour and a half? Like I did laugh at, and where he's like, I'm this, this and a Raptor trainer. And I did like laugh. I'm like, okay, that's kind of funny. Right. But, um, but was the best joke saved for the trailer? I hope not, but it'll be fun to see, um, Will Arnett come back as Batman. And I always like to see what cameos they get and which, franchises they bring in and 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 that stuff which obviously they'll save for the movie yeah and, nick offerman's uh oh yeah <laughs> the uh, pirate. pirate and allison oh, yeah. uh breeze uh cat um, like yeah unikitty and like yeah it's great and um yeah i'll be really interested i love channing tatum and jonah hill as superman and green lantern right and i hope they utilize them a bit more and uh and where uh um, someone like will arnett will pop up because mm-hmm. he was lincoln in the last one right so. right 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 uh, no, Will Arnett's Batman. You're talking about oh, um, uh, uh, Will Forte, pardon Will me, Forte, yeah. Yeah. who's been a part of Phil Lord and Chris Miller's. Like he played film. Abraham Lincoln in um, 
that Clone High. Yeah, Clone yeah, High. Yeah. And he's been in most of their projects in some form or another. Even if it's a voiceover yeah. or something like that. Yeah. He did the some of the voiceovers in Jump Street, I think, right? Yeah. Like um so that's talking trailers this week. Um Eric, yes. we wanted to go into some news, oh, yes. which I asked if you could pull up. So, um, it's funny, we haven't recorded in a while, but the news has been sort of light. It was the Thanksgiving holiday in the U.S., and, and there's been a lot going on. Um, yeah, so you know, Barney exploded on the uh, the Macy's Day That bridge. was hilarious. That was really funny. <laughs> Everyone just panicking. Trying Traumatizing to, to small yeah. children. <laughs> Barney got a tear right through his gut and he just started deflating and uh but i think because of the holidays and things like that there wasn't a ton of news i mean the biggest news i've been fucking hearing about is just people asking for the avengers trailer and i know we just finished the trailer talk but like um everyone thought it was going to be oh it's this day because this is a the anniversary or oh collider's doing the infinity war screening with the russos so it's going to pop up in three um, two oh where is it so it's just funny hearing uh people keep asking for that and but it's also you know, entitlement weirdly as well like, yeah, like, it's like we well, deserve it yeah, by now yeah <laughs> we, we paid we saw this movie five times in theaters we deserve it right now i need that minute and a half of footage we're gonna get that's probably not even going to be yeah. footage from the movie <laughs> it'd be amazing if disney just decided to troll people and just release another trailer for artemis fowl <laughs> <laughs> that is avengers 4 psych um I yeah I'll be curious to see when that happens but um I wanted to talk about the Sundance lineup so we are close to December by the time this posts it will be December which means um, 2018 is a thing of the past 2019 is about to begin what are going to be Oscar frontrunners at Sundance yeah. this year what are the what are the Oscar frontrunners what is going to be the new the the big film that people will get to see first and say that I was the one that reviewed it first and at Sundance yeah, yeah. And, and I was the person that was the champion of this because as much as I do um, love Sundance is sort of like uh, the cleaning of the slate so to speak and and starting fresh there is this weird well, you get the of, crossover because the Oscars haven't happened yet, right? And right. Like, but there's the, there's this really strange kind of me first kind of thing that goes on at Sundance, where it's like you have to be the first one to see something, and if you are the first one to see it and you like it or hate it, you make the definitive comment on it that'll sort of stick around for the rest of the year if the movie is good or if the movie is bad, and you know like it's it's one of those situations where like you, as soon as a movie screens it's like people gloat about it i mean that's like any festival but i feel like that with the with sundance specifically because again it's like you get to be the first one the first person to say hey this movie is great hey this movie sucks or eh, it's okay well now you'll get to be the first person to chime in on the lineup so um, sundance takes place in late january yeah. um and they just released their lineup of 119 films they I believe released it was. their whole schedule uh in one day which i think was actually smart because i'm sure there will be maybe some add-ons because they usually have secret screenings like i remember last year it was tully and then the year before um it was get out so maybe you know Jason Blum brings the new Jordan Peele movie if it's done uh, us, which comes out in March, you know, something like that. So uh, the lineup, I mean, it's it's a combination of filmmakers we're familiar with and and new people, and also 
uh, actors that are taking on jobs as writers or directors. So one of them is Shia LaBeouf is playing his own father in Honey Boy. So we'll see how that goes. And he also wrote the script for that. Um, I think the one that kind of like came to my mind right away, which actually already has been in the festival circuit, which played it. Um, oh, well, I'm having a moment here, uh, Matt. Uh, Venice, uh, the Nightingale, which yeah. uh, the Jennifer Kent movie, and I thought that that was going to play at TIFF for hasn't New been York. released yet. And... No, has not gotten any distribution. Is said to be extremely violent and sometimes off-putting uh, in that way. Um, but it is playing Sundance, and so that kind of gives me hope that you know more people will see it and maybe talk about it. And it's certainly one that I would like to see as the follow-up to the Babadook. Mm-hmm. So, what about yourself? Um, I was excited for Velvet Buzzsaw, which is Dan Gilroy's next movie. And, great title. Uh, great title. Uh, didn't love Roman J. Israel. Uh, obviously, we were excited for that. It was a last-minute addition to TIFF last year. Um Hella disappointing. Right. Um, but this photo of Jake Gyllenhaal and his stupid hair, and he's like making some gesture, and I don't know. It takes place in the. Uh, you know what it reminded me of a little bit is Midnight Meat Train. Remember the scene at the beginning when Bradley oh, right. uh, Cooper goes to see uh, Brooke Shields in forget, the art gallery? Yeah, I always forget that Bradley Cooper starred in Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> uh, the best title ever, isn't it? You know, um, like, it's 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 multi purpose yeah. titling. Like it's just amazing. Um, what was the porno version of that called? <laughs> Midnight <laughs> Meat <me> Train. train. <laughs> um, I always thought of that. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw I'm excited for. Um, and it's Netflix as well, so maybe this is also showing now that, that you know, Sundance is oh, even right. more you are right. yeah. um, open, to... open to it. So maybe Cannes will be the, the next step on that you know, legitimate kind of path to yeah. acceptance. Again, it's hard to kind of chime in, at least from my... My angle, because I'm just going to mention the shit from directors that we recognize, because a lot. Right. I mean, a lot of Sundance, or even is studios finding, as yeah. well. Like A24 has their 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 movie Native Son, which is their opening movie, which stars uh, Ashton Sanders from Moonlight, which I find very funny in a way because in Equalizer Two. Um, Ashton Sanders was the kid that Denzel kind of takes under his wing to help. Right, right. And there's a sequence where he goes behind a bookcase to hide. And the book that he opens to release uh, the book, uh, the, 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 the hiding place, is Native Son. Really? Yep. Was that intentional? It might have been because I remember around the time that that movie came out, he was announced as the lead. So maybe that was almost like an like, Easter egg. Like a, yeah, yeah. For film people. <laughs> for why, though? I don't maybe know. Maybe it's just. It's probably one of those nerdy things you do when you're like bored on a movie set. And you're yeah. like, no, it would be fun. Let's do that. I think in there. five people like, recognize that. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> you're one of the five. Um, there's that talk show one with. Uh, is it. Uh, Emma uh, Emma Thompson? Emma Thompson. Yeah, so that's Late Night with Late um, Night. Mindy yeah. Kaling as a uh, writer and co-star as well. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, um, there's Apollo 11, which is a neon uh, movie that's kind of a... I'll read it as it is. A purely archival reconstruction of humanity's first trip to the, another world with never-before-seen 70-millimeter footage and never-before-heard audio from the mission. Okay. It's kind of cool. cool. That's cool. Um, just scrolling through this. This is this is, this is podcasting at its best. Um, we didn't prep for this at all. No, we all no. We both looked through the, the lineup yesterday because um, 
we were texting each other about oh it. there's the this is going to be the controversial one probably of the festival the joe berlinger uh ted bundy uh movie with zach uh right. Efron playing ted bundy extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile which i think vvs actually has the rights to it uh in canada interesting um yeah so late night uh we already mentioned uh Relive, uh, which is another Blum production with David Oyelowo and Storm Reed, both who were in A Wrinkle in Time. Okay. Um, which is another small budgeted genre movie about a man whose uh, family dies, but he gets a call from right. I read uh, about his this. niece, and he can maybe intervene and save them somehow. And he doesn't know if it's her ghost or something. Like right, that. or he's losing his mind. Right. Um, there's, there's a documentary on aliens called Memory. Yeah, and it's from the guys um, who did. Uh, the psycho documentary, the shower scene, which is good, but then they also directed the People versus George Lucas, which is awful. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how this goes. We'll see if they can make this work. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a great scene. Like if they focus on the chestburster scene, yeah. Because I think people sort of take that for granted now in terms of like how visceral that was when it came out. Totally. Um, the report, uh, written and directed by Scott Z. Burns, who's worked a lot as a screenwriter for Steven Soderbergh, um, that sort of deals with um, torture in the U.S. and has Adam Driver, Annette Bening, John Hamm, uh, Ted Levine, uh, Michael C. Hall, uh, Troop Zero, which is directed by Burton Birdie uh, and stars Viola Davis and uh, Allison Janney. You mentioned uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, I'm just looking through as well. Um, There's a new Miles Davis doc, Birth of Cool, Birth of the Cool. Um, what else is there? Yeah, I mean, Sundance for me is always um, it's discovery. Like it yeah, really, exactly. it truly is. So, like you, there are synopsises that you can go through and read and sort of again pick filmmakers that you maybe know or actors that you are familiar with. But it's also the time of year where you can actually it feels like you can take more risks and go into something completely blind and have an experience, whether it be good or bad, but have a completely untainted experience mm -hmm. and that's one reason i think i love following sundance or just seeing the reactions come out of sundance or have always wanted to go to sundance so um yeah i'm excited to see what comes out of it and and what movies are those ones that we'll be talking about for the rest of the year or um some will get sooner rather than later i don't know if does like velvet buzzsaw have a release date yet or? no i mean maybe they're gonna see how it does at the festival first and then play it by ear because they could release it in october as a, as a halloween release or they yeah. could release it the way that i mean tony collette's in the movie so right. maybe they release it in the summer and try to hope that it's almost like a hereditary type film that yeah has so that i just success. it's interesting with some of the studio stuff and some and then all the stuff that, that that you're discovering that are probably um and what will be picked up that's always fun to watch too which right. studios pick up what and i mean i feel like sundance is the one where the, the most things get purchased right. right although last year it, it wasn't was soft, because right? it was it was because a lot of the stuff the year before that studios were buying kind of bombed bombed and didn't make their money back because like you were hearing and you know like netflix paid you know 10 11 million dollars for mudbound and there were other movies that you know fox searchlight bought or neon or a24 and even if they were critically acclaimed they didn't make the money back or nobody saw them like i remember there was the 
documentary steps and they were Fox Searchlight thought like this is going to be the big breakout documentary of that summer and no one saw it yeah yeah that's the other weird side of Sundance is that they you put so much money behind this small movie that it can be a gamble and especially because like all film festivals you're kind of in a bubble for those two weeks and like you know you hear uh, you know as us being outsiders like oh this movie's amazing and you know you should go and see it and even though you have critics that you maybe read and respect recommending them it doesn't necessarily translate to being a commercial or critical success and sometimes you get the opposite reaction when they come out people attack them based on the positive reception that they do get at uh the festival because it's like well oh, you said this movie is great it actually sucks it's horrible Stop yeah, wasting it, my time. It with can this. work both ways, yeah. right? So you'll never win. I mean, with the the age of the internet, you just can't win. Yeah, on film Twitter is one of those really strange. Hey, we're things. part of it, man. I know we're part of it. Um, speaking of film Twitter and people probably complaining about things, uh, it's award season, as we just mentioned. It sure, uh, is. you're voting soon for the Critics Choice Awards. Yep. Uh, watch it live on the CW, CW Network, in January nineteenth. You're hosting this year, right? <laughs> oh God, they can do. Better. Imagine they just chose a different critic every year to like host it. That'd be fun. Yeah, um, there's one I would be. Uh, yeah, never mind. Anyways, <laughs> skip that. Um. So the National Board of Review and the New York Film Critics Circle. Yes. Um. Have been two of the first kind of. Um, yeah, and you've also had the Gotham Awards as well. That's correct. We can talk about Gotham yeah, as well. So there, uh, we're starting to. Kind of get there and get those uh, best of the year awards out. Yeah. So I just and these are wanna... critics groups for the most part. The National Board of Review is a very strange one. Who is in the National? Nobody knows because it's like a secret organization. Um, people think that it's just Clint Eastwood and his friends because they always vote for Clint Eastwood movies if they're released. Like for sure. example, the year that Jersey Boys came out, it, it made it in, in the, the top, top 10, ten of their yeah. best films of the year. Not like a category that was separate, like, you know, pop because they don't have a popular category, but they do have a top ten indie movie category. So somehow Jersey Boys made it into the top ten that year and every year that Clint Eastwood has a movie that comes Did out. Did Hereafter make it? Um yeah. Yeah, of course. The only did. one that didn't was fifth, the 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 train movie this year. So they really hated it. <laughs> yeah, or they thought, or they hey, we had to give one. Well, or, or they thought, well, you know what? Hey, Clint Eastwood was going to direct a Star Is Born, and is still a, a producer. <laughs> so the executive mule didn't make pro- it either. No, because they didn't screen it. Yeah. They didn't screen it in time. And and Warner Brothers is being really weird with that release. It's like they they want it to be an awards film, but or, then also don't want to show it to anyone. No, so I don't know what is going on with that movie. Because even Eastwood like went to the governor's ball recently to kind of promote the film and you know shake hands. And so I feel like they want to do it because this could be quote unquote Clint Eastwood's last movie, but we don't know yet. That's a question mark. Sorry, I was yawning. <laughs> um, uh, it's been a long day. So what are your thoughts overall? I mean, we don't have to go over specifics on yeah, I mean, all of the awards, but I don't know. Do you want to run through maybe like who well, kind of... I will say the thing that I'm very happy about is that First Reformed is doing showing up. really, yeah. really well considering it was released in the first part of the year and it already played at festivals last year. Um, people are specifically gravitating towards Ethan Hawke's performance. Uh, the National uh, Film Board did not... Uh, nominate him for best actor but the new york film critics circle awarded him awarded him that uh but paul schrader has been showing up as well for the script for the script and it 
blows my mind that he has never been nominated for an Oscar um, for writing Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and any of the other seminal works that he's done. So, do you think this will be one of those things that if it if it gets in, if we're talking about Oscars or the Academy, um, do you think it gets in with Hawk and screenwriting? Yeah, or? I think yeah. so. I think I think a lot of critics groups including are mine are, are going to yeah like for me i there have been other great performances and other great movies this year but there's just something about that performance that really reminded me of how great hawk can be and also how underrated he is and then also the same thing with with paul schrader like paul schrader has been making some really horrible movies oh, yeah in the last <laughs> has uh, he ever uh, 10 11 years i think the last thing that he did was of any worth was uh affliction which was like 97 98 and with this movie it just reminded me of you know when he was working with scorsese or when he was making movies in the 80s and a big part of that is uh you know his his love of the film ida that kind of inspired him and to do this kind of daring movie shot in four by three so yeah seeing that is really nice and then also like someone like tony collette like if we're talking a 24 stuff Tony Collette winning the if Gotham Award. If we want Award. to talk to film Twitter, A24. Yeah, 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 really, yeah. But, but she, I mean, that's the performance that I want to see. Tony Collette? Yeah, go yeah. the distance, and I'm kind of nervous that it won't. I'm with you, yeah. Um, because, again, it's a horror movie, and even though it, there are things in it sort of in terms of um, social commentary and, and sort of dealing with family as an allegory, it still kind of feels like genre isn't always accepted. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so Roma won Best Picture at the New York Film. Yeah, and director and uh, cinematography. Yep, but um, it didn't win Best Foreign Language Film, which was Cold War. Right. So speaking we, of Ida, the same we director. were talking um, a little bit about this off air before we started, and I know this has happened many, many times before this year. But I'm, I'm, or actually, not really. Has a foreign language film won Best Picture? The Academy. Yeah. No. Okay. Wait, Life is Beautiful? Life is Beautiful? Did that win? Uh, either way, I just think it's weird when... Oh, no, that won Best Actor. A foreign a film, foreign film is nominated but loses Best Foreign Film, but then wins Best Overall Film. Doesn't well, make any sense to me. How can it not be the Best Foreign Film, but it is the Best Film? Right. Well, it's... <laughs> it it's, is, it's Elevated Foreign Film? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's it. It yeah. is Elevated Foreign Film in the way that, you know, Hereditary is Elevated Horror. Fair. I just wanted to say that because it didn't make any sense to me. But I, but I also um, can see it from a point of view of like it's kind of sharing – like this year – the I think I talked about this on the last show. Foreign International cinema this year has kicked ass. Like Shoplifters, Roma, burning. Cold War, Burning, um, Custody. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff that has been really border even like even if you didn't love border you can ne you'll never forget it uh, yeah um, so <laughs> that's like, one way to put it's, it it's been a year where it's been very eclectic and wide ranging and I feel like this has been one of the strongest years for international cinema so it's kind of nice to see other films also get citations and 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 notice because Roma to me is that movie like you mentioned you know being elevated filmmaking where it's feels like it is going to go 
into multiple categories when it comes to other awards. So why not, you know, I understand give something like burning love. a chance because South agree, Korea yeah. has never been nominated for an Oscar before. Really? Like, for, for a country. I hope yeah. burning gets in there, but I, I hope Steven Yoon gets in for supporting actor, but that's not going to happen. No, I know. Unfortunately not. But, um, yeah, I just it doesn't make sense to me, but I understand why it happens. Cause like, what is the point of giving Roma both best foreign language and best film, right? When you can kind of champion another film um, as well. Yeah. So I, I I totally get why these groups do it. Right. It just from purely of a, like a, this doesn't make any sense. Well, it's it's um, almost like oh to to talk about pol- get to get political in all of this. Like look at um uh. Lincoln, right? He didn't win the. Uh, he didn't become governor, mm-hmm. but then he won uh, the right, presidency, he lost right? Like because a lot of people are saying like uh, Beto O'Rourke, Rourke, right? Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, which that makes more Roma sense. Roma is 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 the, the Beto O'Rourke or Abraham Lincoln of films. <laughs> yeah, um, the Beto thing I can I can see though because if you're more liberal leaning or, or left leaning and you lose in Texas, but you could win. Right. The U.S. That makes more sense to me, right? From like, uh, yeah. Anyways, we're getting into weird territory. But, but you, you understand the comparison that yeah, I'm making there, yeah. where the idea it's like, well, you didn't win in your own, you know, category, category, your own state. How can you, you know, possibly win something that is, you know, all encompassing? But you know, there where there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And I and I understand again. Like, it's nice to see some of the the love be spread around to a bunch of movies. Like, it's. It gets boring after a while if you see, like, a star is born. Or even, like, even Roma. Like, I don't want to see Roma, like, win everything because there are other movies that were released that year. And it's nice to have uh, an interesting representation of Oh, and I get why we talked about, too, like, at the Oscars, why isn't it, like, if that's the best movie, then shouldn't it have the best acting and the best cinematography and the best directing? Like, why? How could it? How could it lose director, actor? Or not even um, get nominated for one of those categories. And then win, right? Like... Uh, like it's like what if a movie loses best actor best actress best supporting actor best supporting actress loses director um but wins best picture right yeah i find that that's a problem with with the the top 10 in general because it's like sometimes you have to put stuff in there that gets two nominations um the one specifically i'm referencing is the one i always like to shit on is extremely loud and incredibly (laughs) close so that got so that gets two nominations best picture and supporting actor for max von sido but nothing else but it still was in best picture Mm-hmm. Like who voted for it in Best Picture? How can it be one of the best movies yeah. if it's only? And you have like, to put that in like your top bracket for yeah. it to make it into the top, you know, eight or nine. That was a weird year. Yeah, when that squeaked in, like you always get a couple of those or maybe one or two. Not right. usually, but like. Or sometimes if a movie screens late, like I remember with Selma, Selma screened really, really late for critics and and for uh, guild members, and it also only got two nominations. It did win uh, for best uh, song. Mm-hmm. Um, remember when Chris Pine? So shed who a won? Tear. Who won Best Picture at Gotham? Uh, I have to look that up actually. And New I York haven't... was Roma, and then National Board was Green Book, right? Which that has sparked some controversy as well. So Green Book's the interesting one because it's, I kind of movie knew... that people are turning on. Yeah, and I knew there'd be one of them, and I, I, I mean, I had the quote at TIFF saying you'd be 
hard pressed to like not just enjoy this movie for their friendship and and like it, it'll win you over by the end of it i was wrong did not win everyone over right. by the end of it um it is that one movie that I feel like, uh, much like Three Billboards last year, or there's always that one that's getting more success than people would like it It peaks to. too early, maybe. Yeah, like, or there's a group that saw it early, whether it's at TIFF or some of the other festivals it played, or um, and, and because of some of the themes in the movie, too, there's been, like, people kind of tearing it apart that way, but then also just saying it's terrible, which I don't see, but... I don't right. know. Every I mean, year there's you can, always... You can definitely see the movie for what it is. Like, it's very formulaic. Oh, yeah. And, like, it is your classic road trip buddy comedy, feel-good feel good like... movie. But the parts work, and the performances specifically are great. The performances, to me, is what yeah. make the movie... I'm not saying that it's a masterpiece or anything like that, but I enjoyed my time with those two characters and and the performances and of those actors are great agreed agreed and i feel like if you're trying to say the message is really thin or sort of phony or something like that which or it's historically are, inaccurate which yeah. this is the the one thing that is coming up a lot right now because, i've heard yeah uh, don doc shirley's family is saying no this really wasn't the way it happened and i think actually it was it was rad that actually brought up a really good point where like at the end of these based on true story movies you always have um, you know, like photos of the people and all that, but there's never a photo of both Tony and Don together, which I thought there was, isn't. No. no, I didn't. I've only seen it the one time at the festival. So yeah, I mean that stuff and all of that's valid. And also Vigo, you know, all of that's valid. I just find it interesting that these people come out of the woodwork when it's getting success right. and like. But that happens. That you yeah, gotta, you've gotta have contrarians. People no, are just passionate about. And they hate, but the thing is, it's like, okay, you didn't like it. That's fine. Like, it's okay that you didn't like it, but it's also, don't make me feel like an idiot or an asshole because I did enjoy it. Right. Like, Like, it's it's understandable to have constructive criticism or have a negative reaction to the movie and discuss it and talk about it in a mature adult way and, and write a review or write a piece on why like, it didn't I'm not work for you. Saying you're an idiot because you hated right. it. But when like, you attack the person that likes it, that's a different situation. That's, or the group that likes yeah. it. Or like because it's it's that's it's it's a mistake to say that that's film criticism because that's not film criticism. That's cyberbullying, basically. Mm-hmm. And again, like you can have the difference of opinion. You can argue and dispute the merits of the movie and why it didn't work for you or what the the overall themes. But also are. respect the other people that might yeah. think the Don't, other. Like, like we're guilty of this too because like I find this. With, with film criticism in general where like you know if you have an opinion on something sometimes in a joking way a lot of, a lot of the times but there's still some maybe uh, passive to it. Yeah, aggressiveness yeah. where it's like you know you, you you say this is why I really like this movie it's like well now I'm going to tell you why your opinion's wrong like yeah. you always hear like well this is why you're wrong or this is right. why I'm right or this right. is you know like people me, yeah me, have me. strong opinions if you if, especially if a large group of people are saying one thing and you're an outlier or maybe there's a, a small vocal minority of people that are going going no we we are right because we're the ones who who saw through the the thin veil of bullshit on the on this movie and we need to talk about it right right um or a lot of people i feel like are on their high horses too of like well general audiences and the general populace don't don't know what's actually good and like fuck them for enjoying this movie it's condescending and yeah in in a certain way and but what's even worse about that though is like it's like 
we'll tear down the you know the movie going audience the general audience but we still want you to read uh, you need to still read our right. reviews and 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 give us hits on our websites but we'll still you know tear you down for and being uh populists and and, and enjoying sort of I think there's a stuff. fair middle ground and just enjoy what you want to enjoy and be critical of movies i'm not yeah. saying not don't be like again green book Green Book, not a perfect movie. Right. I enjoyed it. And I'm not it. shocked like, that people don't like it. Yeah, like, I'm always could, surprised oh, Right when... when I saw it, I knew people were going to turn on it. I just see... I just said, like, even the hardest of cynics... I, I just felt it was so enjoyable, their performances and their relationship. And, I, again, you have to remember that these are based on a true story. And Well, it says, even in the um, movie, it says inspired by a true inspired friendship. Inspired by, though. And that's what I'm saying with a lot of this stuff. And I'm not saying that they ha- they can take the artistic liberty to change everything and, and make you believe this person's life was different than it actually was. Right. But it's never going to be exactly how these people were. No, and you it's serving the, and the, the narrative that the screenwriters exactly, have created. Now, yeah. partly also... One of the screenwriters is on it, it is his, his son, right? It's Tony Lift's son. Yeah. And that, that's why the movie does skew more, I guess, towards his, his perspective. Point of view, yeah. yeah. And I think that's a problem for some people, especially right. with the subject matter. And, and, um, and I, I do feel like it almost weirdly absolves Tony of his racial right. and prejudices and bigotry by the end of the movie and says like oh he became a completely well, different it's person. it's too convenient and too easy and like it it's not as hard or harsh as it maybe should or like it's but I don't think that's what the movie's trying to do no. right like and again if his family if if Don Shirley's family's coming out and saying like you're completely like missing what who he actually was and and but again that's even I, I, I get it because it's his family, but right. it's not – It's a fine line to walk. And, yeah. and, but what I understand about that is though, – but, but, but it is that I understand as a, as a criticism more than anything else because they personally right. knew who he was. Where I find what they we're knew who talking he was, about but no one is, really is not knew. really that. It's more so to do with the criticism of the movie itself because we're yeah. talking as, as – as, filmic terms and not sure. um yeah. you know historical accuracy although again historical accuracy you, you plays you, a part in it yeah but you also have to acknowledge that you don't want to take this as as uh, as gospel and that's that, what like, i mean in any of these things any i feel like sometimes when you're telling uh, a story about a true event or things like that people take it as this is exactly what happened right and i more so go into these going no it's mostly like they're trying to um Take what happened and and tell it to you in a in a cinematic way that feels like, again it's really you have to lean into that inspired by and as long as the message that you're that those people tr- were actually I'm, what am I trying to say here but basically obviously it's not exactly how those events played out it's right. not exactly how these people well again were, it's serving the but, script it's serving the narrative and this is the but it does it with all these types of, of movies the feel-good road trip comedy has certain tropes that you have to hit mm-hmm. and or, or drive through if you yeah. will and that's kind of the movie it also is playing with it's not just you know like a i get that these are drama. they're playing characters mm-hmm. that are based on I these mean, people like Viggo mortensen's not... tony is oh, borderline yeah, caricature yeah, yeah yeah and and that and you know what you again you're you're won over by his his performance but you have to acknowledge that if you want to if you want to learn more about what really happened you 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 buy the autobiography or the biography you look for the documentary mm. even documentaries skewer because they're from a point of uh, view of a filmmaker like 
the place where you want to get the most historically accurate references are either news or or books, you know, because there is less bias or less perspective being put in. And remember, there. it's still a commercial product, too, right? right? And like. Yeah, you're you're telling a story that is inspired by these real people, but remember that these actors are playing characters, and they're not literally supposed to be taken as those people. I know they're playing those people by name and by right. everything. Well, look at like, the submarine movie we saw, Tiff, Kursk, right? We don't know what actually happened in that sub, right. because... We just don't, but they made up maybe the most logical based on the based... things that they had. Yeah, right? and like... and that's kind of what they're doing with with this, and that's what they're you know a lot of filmmakers do when they're adapting material. Or you do a complete one eighty and do a Coen Brothers thing and fuck with people, right? And, and say, say based on a true story, and it's not, and it's Fargo, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> Which I, lo- I love. That oh, I as love well. that too. Or, but... or Return of the Living Dead, right? So I don't know. I just you got to remember that these are characters and that um, yeah. Oh, they're like, not real. Like like these again. Like they're based on Don Shirley. And they're Tony archetypes. Nip, but yeah. And again, borderline characters. They're telling their story, but it is through the lens of yeah. uh, Peter Fairley. <laughs> yeah. And again, like it's not a film that I would necessarily say is like. Don't take it as verbatim. Like it's not. 100% accurate. And but even in something, sorry to cut you off, because no, no, I had a okay. point that I, I wanted to bring up too, is like in movies like uh, Patriot's Day or um, I'm trying to think of another movie that's... Talking about like amalgamations yeah, and stuff like, like that? where you're still getting the point across and you're trying to get little bits of these four different people that uh, attributed to this true life story, um, but you still are saying at the beginning of the movie that this is based on real events, but then remember it's based on real events. So Mark Wahlberg is playing a character that is who really is three or four people, people because yeah. it feels like oh how can this one cop be in all these significant locations as things are happening or going on mm-hmm. but because he's mark Wahlberg in the lead it's like okay we'll take you know points of view of this person this person and from it's 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 from the point of view of the screenwriter because yeah. the screenwriter is trying to it's an interpretation of those in- events yeah to make, and yeah. it's a puzzle because they're trying to fit everything together you have you know your three acts you don't want it to be you, too busy exactly and, and like, because you could have three or four other actors playing all those parts, but then it gets more complicated and convoluted yeah. and you're trying to keep things synced together. So I understand where that comes from. I mean, that this will be something we'll be talking about probably next year as well when the that Roger Ailes biopic comes up because Margot Robbie's in the movie and she's playing an amalgamation of a few people that worked on set um, when the, the sex scandal kind of broke out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's okay, but it's also okay if you don't think that's okay so like right if that that was a, a weirdly worded statement and i think this is what i was trying to say before well, when if, i was if you're, if you're a historian sure and you're looking from it or if from you the think that people are of, misleading people yeah too, yeah right? like if you if, if the film was saying this is the most accurate depiction of these two uh their their friendship then yeah or or, or the history of the deep south at that time in 1962. But that's not what the movie's trying. Like, it has those themes, and I think it has a... comedy. And it has a a positive message, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, sure. Like, sure, it might be light and fluffy, and maybe it uh, portrays it in probably a more... uh, Like... 
It's not. It's not an indie film. It's not an indie ver- like the indie version of this would be dark and depressing. Yeah, that's what I'm and, trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, not to say that that's a bad version either, because that's a version that could also work really, really well. Hundred percent. But the version that Peter Fairley went with is a lighthearted road trip comedy. Feel good, like yeah. And he succeeded at making that, in my opinion, because he hit those marks. Again, I, I think the, the the one thing that you could definitely criticize it for a hundred percent is that it's cliched you know like you know everything that's going to happen in this film but it does it well and it does it in a way that you like if you left even if you even if you are manipulated but if you feel something and you care about the characters and you like the performances then the movie's done its job yeah and that's what it comes down to i'm totally totally with you on that so um green book got um the Best Picture from National Board, Board of Review. Review. And Vigo got uh, the Best Actor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another one you've been seeing pop up everywhere is Bo Burnham's uh, Eighth Grade. Yes. Was, uh, for First Feature f- or... or uh, breakout For Elsie Fisher, yeah. yeah. So I think that that, in, in terms of its awards prospects, that might help it in original screenplay. Um, I mean, I would love to see Bo Burnham in Best Director, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I feel like there's going to be the younger generation that are of voters that really love that movie. And then, like, people in their 40s and 50s and 60s and further on will be like, I don't understand this YouTube generation thing. Like, right. What's this all about, right? And especially talking about a, uh, a girl that's uh, about to graduate and go into uh, high school, right? So, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of, you know... Maybe that's going to hurt it. I, I don't think that's fair, but I also do think that maybe it speaks to a different generation. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, and surprisingly, I forgot, um, the uh, Gotham Awards awarded Chloe Zhao's a writer as nice. Um, nice. best film. Because um, it was nominated last year for Spirit Awards. Because it, it Spirit the Spirit Awards are interesting because as long as you play a film festival, you're you're eligible. It doesn't necessarily have to have a theatrical release that year. So seeing it win Best Picture um, is really saying something, and, I, and I'm excited for her career. I mean, obviously, um, the Eternals announcement is 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 exciting, but. Um, seeing this little movie that played at TIFF last year and kind of had a modest opening. It opened against, in Canada anyways, against Avengers Infinity War. So not that it was competing I mean, against foreshadowing, it, she's doing a Marvel yeah, movie Oh yeah, now. really, in, in, in a way. But I, if, if you haven't seen that movie yet, I recommend checking Infinity it out. Infinity War? Great. <laughs> the Rider. Um, and, and that's a weird one as well because Sony Pictures Classics... Um, they are iffy on their physical media releases. You can stream it or rent it on on Apple, but or on iTunes. But what they did with the Blu-ray release, you can get it on Amazon, but it's more almost like a, a an exclusive order on Amazon. And the one movie that's driving me nuts that is not available uh, anywhere for Blu-ray for North American release is uh, Foxtrot. Okay, right. I really liked never Fox got a, Never got a Blu-ray release. That's so interesting. Um, shit, I had the Gotham Awards up here. What happened? Um, what did you do, Matt? Gotham Awards sponsored by A24. Batman. E- Ethan Hawke uh, had Best Actor. Tony Collette had Best Actress. Elsie Fisher had Breakthrough Actor. Bo Burnham had Breakthrough Director. Um, See, there's a pattern here. Yes, so... Uh, uh, ensemble performance was the favorite, and I thought it was uh, Suspiria. What? Oh no, that was that was the the film independent awards, so oh, the best okay. ensemble, and everybody was like, 
are they fucking with every like with the uh, the rest of film twitter or yeah. like society because there's like really that gets a a nomination right so yep uh award season it's here eric we're going to be talking a lot about it i'm sure yeah when gold globes it. are coming up soon um did you see they moved natalie portman to a uh, lead yeah um, which talk about being misleading yeah <laughs> um It'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. I'm I don't sure think people, Vox Lux is gonna. I don't think it'll show up anywhere no. really. Like I, I love it. Yeah. And, again, um, like it's sort of, maybe not in the same. I think eighth grade is more accessible, but I think that is also of a generation. There's a there's gonna be a gap, and I think also it's maybe some people will consider it too quote unquote esoteric or mm-hmm. um, experimental or childish or what have you. But I again liked it more than uh, A Star Is Born. So. I'm with you. Although I didn't. Um, Hate a star is more. I know either. what. That's the other problem with a lot of these movies. If you just say you liked it and didn't love it, people are like you fucking hated Star is Born. I'm like, no, I never once said that. I just said I don't like it yeah. as much as you do. I'm glad you like, liked it. There yeah. were moments I thought were good. I think the first half is really solid. We're on the same page. Sam Elliott yeah. is amazing. We're um, on the exact same yeah. page. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk to you about today uh, before we wrap things up um, was uh, a thing. Uh, Something we've seen more and more lately, which is uh, film like studios partnering with streaming services. So we saw a little bit of this, whether it was, I mean, more so we've seen the sirens on our side, if you can hear that. But it's Disney coming uh, to stop us to talk about other yeah, streaming services. Yeah, we're not talking about Disney Plus this week, but a lot of studios are opening their own streaming services, to your point. But then we're also seeing some partner up with others. So, um, Apple announced that they partnered with A24 um, to develop films for their upcoming streaming service. And then Paramount is also partnering with Netflix to develop films for Netflix, which so I want to talk a little bit about both of those with you. And I mean, Paramount has a little bit of a relationship with Netflix because of Cloverfield Paradox is getting a Blu-ray release. Not going to buy it. No, it's it's not very good. Um, but it's nice to see that it, it is getting a physical release. Annihilation as well. Yeah. Right. Although that was the, um, the an international um, sure but, situation because it but, did get released. But in still, North they America. partnered with yes. them on it essentially, right? Um, it's mostly been after the fact, so uh, which is un which is weird and and usually it's a dumping ground like we see uh, Mowgli's coming out this week, which we'll try to review for the show as well. Um, which was Warner Brothers dumping it to Netflix. But it's interesting that they're partnering with Paramount now, especially when it seems like Netflix is trying to get rid of any content that isn't developed by them completely. Right. Like, Well, I think it's it's a... Because what are you more of, interested in, the Apple and A24 thing? or I, I'm, well, I'm, I always love A, A24. Yeah. I mean, I don't love everything that A24 does, but um, I think that's they have a be good an, Yeah, and record. especially because we don't know what Apple is yet in terms of uh, what film and television is, yeah. is and what, what kind of, what is We their... joke that they're going to have like one thing. <laughs> right, right. They are developing a lot right now, but... Yeah, and how good is their their uh, logo going to be like Netflix-wise where it's like, it's just like the computer turning on? <laughs> Doom! That same noise we've heard since 1980. Yeah, or just like a, a giant headshot of Steve Jobs. In a turtleneck. In a turtleneck. Um <laughs> yelling at they, you they download this fucking streaming service they couldn't get him so they just get a photo of Michael Fassbender um yeah I, I, do you I think mean, Jobs will be available to stream oh hell yeah um but I mean Jobs is both Jobs and um 
Steve Jobs are universal. So we'll, we'll really see. Yeah. both of them were. Yeah. Well, Jobs was a different company, but the home video release was universal. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the for me the interesting thing here was yes, we don't know what the Apple streaming service is going to be, uh, how much it costs, what it's. I'm sure it'll just be integrated in iTunes maybe or but iTunes you rent movies so I don't know how they're going to differentiate and are they going to license third party stuff like Netflix does and Amazon Prime to have like other movies and TV shows or is it going to They'll be probably try to bundle up original against Disney. Stuff? I think that's kind of like where all this is coming from like in term it almost feels like the other studios are are finding ways to uh either create their own brand or team up with people because it's a defense. It's it's like well we need to you know, have something to give out to people to be counter-programming or to offer uh, competition. And then both of these studios are going to continue to make their own films that they're going to release in theaters. So yeah. to so me, what that's is like, a theatrical yeah. release? What, like, does, does that mean the, 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 the physical media release changes as well? Like, does, does it now just go to the streaming service and that's it? Or, or does it get both... Uh, you know, a Blu-ray release and the streaming So it service. seems like this deal is to build original content, but then does that trickle down into the stuff that does go in theaters or their library titles? Are those now going to show up on this? Like, is, is all of A24's library going to be available on this Apple streaming service? Maybe right. that's part of the deal. And same with Paramount, because... But the thing with Paramount, you think, like, Viacom... I guess it's not. Paramount seems like a, a weird one because maybe they don't have enough content to go out on their own and make their own streaming service. So maybe it makes sense to partner with a Netflix. Right. And then have. But yeah, where do you determine? Like, doesn't it think. Isn't it that same VOD model or direct to DVD model of like, well, this wasn't good enough to put in theaters. So I guess we'll put it on Netflix or we'll put right. it on Apple streaming. Well, it reduces risk, right? Like in terms of. Yeah, maybe that's it. You can take risks, like more risks or make riskier titles because you don't have to worry about the box office return. Right. right. But it could also it, it could also hurt those kind of movies where it's like, you know, are we are, are we ever going to see a cure for a cure for wellness again? Like that kind of movie where it's like, well, Disney's not green lighting that well, fox used to do that right but. but i mean like in terms of of you know getting a theatrical lease versus just going to a streaming service like it's like oh maybe this movie is just too weird to market so we're just gonna throw this on the streaming service and you know call it a day and and, and cut our losses and i wonder you know if that's gonna hurt independent filmmaking or the smaller movies as well in some way if you know the studio gets cold feet or something like that very weird. Or maybe it's just to bring... I mean, A24 doesn't have franchises, but, like... Um, what, are you, what are you saying? They, they, they made a joke about, like, they have the Florida franchise with Spring right. Breakers, the Florida project. Um, there was something else as well. Fair enough. But, yeah. like, what I'm saying is, like, Paramount at least owns some IP yeah. um, that they could potentially make something for Netflix. Well, they have a whole back catalog, um, too. I mean, yeah. like, they do have a pretty extensive library, so it's not like... They're completely hurting, and they've been releasing miniseries and series for the last few years that have been trying to contend with what's being released on, you know, cable programming. I mean, look at Yellowstone, right? I mean, even though that failed, they tried. Does Paramount own CBS? That's my that's a good question. Because then CBS All Access, are you strictly keeping that for television? Is that why you're not putting? Some of your movies. I could be wrong, but I could have sworn that CBS was owned by... Well, then also you have um, to look at syndication rights on that as well. Like, where, where do those play outside of, you know, CBS? Like, 
or, or when are they allotted to play outside of like if you already have your channel. own streaming service if they do own them like i think they do um owners cbs corporation now who owns the cbs corporation because i could have sworn maybe i'm just wrong maybe cbs is its own thing but i could have sworn that paramount subsidiaries no because viacom owns because that's why there's cbs films right right although they rarely make a showing anymore like at Eternity's Gate is the latest. Number of employees, five, as of <laughs> July 2018. Oh, that's sad. Um, yeah, so I'm wrong then. So Paramount doesn't own CBS, so I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah, their last release was Hellfest. Yeah, which is weird because that's getting a 4K release. Is it? Yep. <laughs> cool. Uh, but they also release it at Eternity's Gate in the U.S. Right. Elevation Pictures has it here in Canada. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, it's a weird time, man. I yeah. mean, this is where everything's going, and we talk about streaming just as much as we talk about theatrical stuff. But... Well, next year, I think you're going to notice a major shift in the theatrical window in terms of when movies are being released, how long they're being released, how people consume films, whether or not box office attendance is going to drop considerably lower than it already has been i mean we've been people have been saying like oh it's been you know up the last couple of years or like disney specifically has broke the one billion dollar mark halfway through the year and those things i think will still happen but i think also it's going to change in the way that like more people will stay home or more people will choose to you know um subscribe or become a part of these services that offer a specific type of film or film series or TV series that they want to watch and watch it on their time. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it for a while now where the experience is almost better at home than you're getting in most multiplexes, which is, again, I I love going to the movies. Um, I find it harder and harder to not just be like, I know I can get this in, on iTunes in two months. Yeah. And if that gets even shorter... It sounds bad, but if someone says you can get this on your TV, your Dolby Vision 4K like TV um, in three weeks, I might be like, you're gonna you're gonna be hard pressed to convince me to go to the theater very often. Like, right. Well, especially when you have other sources that are uh, beyond your own control interrupting the movie. I mean, look at with, with Creed two, oh, where yeah. we had that guy tell this story uh, yeah. who was sitting a couple seats away from us. And he was literally giving his own play by play commentary of on the top film. of the shitty play by play commentary. And it was like, like I, I wasn't even sure if he knew that he was doing it, if it was just kind of almost reactionary. But and then I'm just, the asshole. Who oh yeah. He, 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 like as soon as you told him to please stop and you did it in a, in a nice way in, in a way that was, kinder than probably what he deserved because by the time you interrupted him it was about halfway through the movie and he just would not shut up like this guy was literally like oh wow yeah i really love this oh yeah he was explaining everything to his buddy and he was just at a loud like i will give you if you need to whisper to whoever you're with a couple times throughout the movie you're human i understand there are times where i need to lean over to you to tell you a joke that i thought of during the movie or something funny or something or when i'm with nevis yeah you always do it at the wrong time Um, i mean that that one joke at 12 years of slave was really inappropriate that didn't happen (laughs) go on the record (laughs) go on the record i did not um so anyways yeah it's just 
I find that there's always something, whether it's the projection quality, and we've. I feel like we're beating a dead horse because, like, um, but I think it's. I, I think we it's talk about it over and over because again. it still happens all the time. No, it's not getting better. No, right? it's like, getting no, worse because attention spans are getting shorter, and like even we're guilty of it because we've been using our phones a lot during this, and I'm sure we both looked at our email or texts or something yeah. during the thing. But people become so entitled that they pull out their phones during the film and just go on it and don't really consider or don't just care that there are other people there that have also paid for it and just like well you know you're paid for the movie you're sitting there watching it so you have the experience and let me do my own thing well it's like it doesn't work that way no you're not in your living room like again if you want to talk you want to jerk off you want to do whatever the fuck you want during the movie do it at home you want to pull a Pee Wee uh, Herman like literally. I just don't you're not in your living room, and some people just don't understand that. And I look, I, he calls me an asshole after I politely tell him. Oh, no, him he to called stop. you a motherfucking asshole. Oh, okay. Um, because I politely asked him to stop talking, and I was prepared. Like, I've learned to not be an asshole back to people because right. that well, doesn't that help gives anything. Them the fuel and to... it just starts stuff, yeah. right? Like, if you say, shut the fuck up or turn off your fucking phone, like, when you start being aggressive right away, you do start to come across as the asshole, too. Because yeah. then you're, like, I will loudly go to someone, hey, could you please stop talking? Like, like that usually yeah. is how I ask people. Or, hey, could you stop talking, please? And then they usually stop. And the guy shut up for the rest of the movie. Right. Like, uh, although he did whisper under his breath that I'm a motherfucking asshole. Yeah. But, like, to me, I was prepared to, like, if he was going to say something. Because you always – that's the other worries. Like, you never know what pe- how people are going to react to you. Right. And, like, like you, you always hear um, these stories about, like, somebody, like – Getting stabbed or yeah. punched or a fight starts or someone starts like what happens if you like wanted a woman to got like stabbed at Shutter um, Island for telling yeah. somebody to shut up and it was with like an ice pick and I'm like yeah. who brings an ice? Or sometimes pick? it's like a pen or something yeah. like that and it's just well, like, remember the Comic Con thing although that was in right noise it's all fucked up but, stuff like yeah. that that like because you don't know what people are capable of right so a lot of the times that's why you tend to just deal with it right and it right. makes or the put experience up with it. yeah that it makes the experience shitty where I have no problem but I've just learned to do it in a way that like you got to cover your bases of just go ask them politely and if they don't then yeah. i will i'm 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 30 now i'm just or almost 30 i'm like i will be that get the manager guy now if right. you don't shut up like i don't care like i've given up any shits like anytime a projection issue happens i'm like i'm paying 15 dollars for this shit like i'm gonna complain about it if it's not up to what i'm I gonna go is. see robin hood um, and i better get the full viewing experience so here's the other thing weird thing though because if it is a movie i don't care about i usually do just put up with it because right. i'm like it's not it's worth not my worth energy it, yeah. like creed 2 i really wanted to fucking see so this guy better shut the hell up but then yeah. like then you have the issue we're running long we're gonna wrap this up in a second uh, of course this is like a two and a half hour podcast again but um, I swear I'll shut up and stop complaining about I, how much I love movies, but how much I hate going to see them in theaters now. Um, <laughs> so you, you cliched. are a critic. Yeah, so cliched. But um, I forget what I was even saying. Oh, because I actually did care about seeing the movies. Right. So you, you want that experience to be um, pristine. But I can tell the guy two seats down from us to stop talking because he's within – eye contact and and thing but then there were still people in like the front row behind us that were talking and i'm like what am i supposed to do there am i supposed to get out of my seat and go back there and tell them to stop talking too so it's just like i just don't get it like 
I get that movies aren't life for some people, like it, they are for us. But then, they're time like, wasters um, for some, and and they just they don't realize that those things are bothering other people, and then they almost think like, well, you should be watching it at home then if you don't want people to bother you. And I'm like, what? Or I just like, wish that like the studios would. I know it saves money and it's cost effective to sometimes just have the promo screenings and the press come at the same time, but it makes me really appreciate the press screenings just because I know, but that is an elitist like i know I'm, i know i'm with you but I, nobody but there's there's only been one person and i will never name that person <laughs> but it, they're not a film critic either um that has disrupted uh, a movie going experience for me and other people as well have also complained about this person but other than i'll ask you off air yeah 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 I'll, I'll i'll tell you afterwards um not that we gossip about no, people. No, 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 no. But, but it, it, what I'm trying to say is that you ne- that never happens with the press screenings because everybody... Well, they're do- people are doing their job and yeah. there's usually only 20 to 30 of you in there. Yeah, in and a- guess what? If somebody needs to use the phone, they get up and, and walk leave. out and leave. Yeah. And... But I, I can't really... I just... That's a very privileged right, um, right. No, mentality, and, and I, I'm not calling you out, but I'm I'm with you that yes, that I I skipped the Spider-Man screening this Saturday to go see a critic screening because I was just like I know it'll be a better experience at least from a crowd perspective, projection perspective. Not sometimes I'm baffled that like how is this a press screening and it looks like this, right? But. Um, so, anyways, it's we could I could, we could have a, a fourteen hour podcast every week about this subject, and I'm sure we would find something to. We sound like about. Andy Rooney, um, but it's you sad know what really for, bothers me. But I think why we're so passionate about it is because we love going to the cinema so much that, um, and the experience is just not what it should be. Yeah, um, and it's and, and it's also being a part of our job, so everything. we're trying to pay attention to what's going and on. And I think we deserve better, really, yeah. like. Both from, yeah, the presentation and from the respect of people there. Like, I'm never going to, um, I'm never going to complain if someone's eating food and things that have been part of movie, the movie going experience that you can't really help. Like, yeah. I mean, like, when you hear popcorn ruffling, I'm like, it's annoying, like but you can't really, like, it's part of it. Like, yeah. it's, it's, but the stuff you can avoid, like, I mean, that does feel like you're ruining it for other people. I mean, I just don't understand. And some people just don't realize they're doing it. So if you do ask them politely, they genuinely go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was doing that. Yeah, it's almost like a nervous tick or something like that where it's just you just kind of do it. Um, But yeah, but then there are other people where... It's happened. almost like they're trying to get attention, you know? Like, it's yeah. like, oh, it's like, especially with horror movies. Horror movies are the worst for that kind of thing because you have people that... Oh, I like, think I know who you're talking about now and the other thing. Yeah. Is it I, the person I'm ta- I'm thinking of? Maybe, maybe. Anyways, we'll is, talk about it afterwards. Yeah, okay. Um, not that they would, like, anybody would care no, anyways. No, 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 like, no. But, but it's... it's it's been noticeable, and other people have noticed it, too. So. Wait, I think we're thinking of two different things. But anyways, we'll talk about it after. Yeah. Anyways, let's wrap this shit up. Movies, <laughs> it's just... They're great, and I, I'm finding myself wanting to watch more and more stuff in 4K at home. Because, like, and if, if someone says you can get it in two weeks, but you have to pay uh, $20 instead of 15 I'm probably going to pay the $20 to watch it at home sometimes. Like, there are certain filmmakers and movies that will get me out to go to the theater, but... Um, like the Scorsese's and the Tarantino's and the and the big like the Marvel movies and a lot of Disney stuff. Yeah, there like, still are event 
films and blockbusters and filmmakers that you will and and i mean for christ's sakes i'm gonna go to lightbox to see Mowgli, where i could watch it i say that now but when i'm sitting in my underwear on my couch and i'm like do i want to leave or do i just want to watch Mowgli in 4k on my tv right although the lightbox in your underwear the lightbox much different right audience are yeah and and that's kind of what i like about Film festivals because film festival audiences will for Although, the most. No, but, but, this but, uh, last year felt weird. I felt like there was more incidents. Or right, more but I'm talking about more so like just in general. There's a, a certain, like people want to be there and they want to have the experience. But no, I know what you're there saying. There are pros and that. cons everything. Yeah. The public screenings, I would say the press screenings at festivals are worse because people get up and leave and use Well, because it's phones. not just press. And it's, it's the industry, industry people, who just go right. on their phone and they don't give a fuck yeah. about you. They just like, we're like, I have to do business. I also need to see this movie. And I'm right. like, okay. Or I have an hour to kill and before yeah, I have to go right. to do like a, a press junket or, like, or something. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. So yeah. I'm going to watch Border and pull out my phone and email oh. three people and, <laughs> and then look up and be like what the hell is going on anyways uh thank you brandon for getting this far in the <laughs> podcast i'm sure no one else did uh but this is the 13th draft of the untitled movie podcast uh if you liked this and made it this far you might like us in you a might want to watch something on netflix <laughs> yeah <laughs> you might like us in a much shorter form on the untitled movie reviews where our newest reviews of the favorite and the christmas chronicles are up so go give those a, a, a listen. <laughs> you're gonna say the christmas chronic uh, the christmas with the cronks <laughs> I'm so tired right now, so it should be interesting. Uh, go see how tired I am when we uh, talk about Christmas Chronicles, and then um, and then go listen to us talk about the favorite, which we both liked quite a bit. So, yep. Um, not to spoil that, maybe now you don't even need to listen to it, but no, not whatever. at all. Um, as always, guys, I'm Matt Rohrbeck. You can find uh, more of my work right here on the Untitled Movie Podcast and the Untitled Movie Reviews, where all of the episodes are on UntitledMovieReviews.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, and Spotify. And as always, I'm here with uh, Eric Marchin, and you can find more of my video reviews and my show Cinema Scene on RogersTV.com slash cinema scene and uh, my twitter handle and instagram is at em6211 and i'm at matt Rohrbeck on those things so if you want to see me tweet about game of thrones or complain about something yeah <laughs> go there i guess all right see you guys next week bye see ya